This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you're struggling through the pains of alcohol or drug addiction or a mental health disorder, now's the time to seek the help that you need. Let's be an opportunity to get back on track and get back to finding the real you. You're not alone and Promises Behavioral Health is here and they can help. Now, we've worked with Promises for years. We know their teams personally. We have great relationships with them. And most importantly, we trust Promises, and that means you can too. To learn more about Promises treatment options near you, for you, or your loved one, here's what you can do. You can go to promises.com slash sober guy. That's promises.com slash sober guy. Or you can pick up the phone and just call 888-205-1890. That's 888 888- 205-1890. Tell them that you heard about them from that Sober Guy podcast. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Rammer. You're listening to that Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. Got a great throwback episode for you today. Gonna hear from Chris Bell. If you're familiar with Chris and any of his work, uh, Chris is an American director, producer, and writer. He's known for his documentaries, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, Trophy Kids, Prescription Thugs, which I just saw last night on Amazon Prime, as well as A Leaf of Faith. Talks about Kratom. Benefits that's helped him and uh, not just the benefits, but the controversy over Kratom as well. His work is focused on the impact that society has on our consumption and addictions, especially to prescription drugs, uh, which he has had some personal experience with uh, himself and his family. His brother actually passed away. His brother was a professional wrestler, passed away um, with a, a, a serious prescription drug addiction. Uh, Chris provides some great insight into the ways that the American culture forms decision-making habits, consumption, uh, and he continues to be an outspoken advocate for those suffering from addiction for them and their families. So um, this really was a great podcast. I thought about putting it out or re-releasing it, just being that I had come across um, prescription thugs again and bigger, stronger, faster uh, also, which is on Amazon right now. You can find all his, all his movies on Amazon or any of the, uh, movie platforms. Um, but you know, just a little back backstory before we get into the, to the conversation, um, uh, with Chris, you know, I think I, this came from, t- I think 2020 maybe. And I had reached out to him a couple of times. So it turns out you know, I'm up in Vacaville in Northern California, which is just outside the Bay Area, East East Bay, kind of uh, in between Sac and San Francisco. And there's also a, a little town nearby, a little college town called Davis, which is just about 15, 20 minutes up the freeway towards Sacramento. And it turns out uh, after I'd gotten in touch with Chris about coming on the podcast and talking about addiction and um, just hearing some more about his work he was doing, uh, he was staying in Davis at his brother, um, his brother Mark's house. And Mark was interesting, got a good, uh, a good story of entrepreneurship as well as, um, you know, trying to live a better, healthy lifestyle. He also invented the slingshot. So if you've ever seen the slingshot before, what it is, it's, it's a band and he's got a bunch of other products that came after that. 
involved with powerlifting. Like these guys, the whole Bell family, powerlifters, you know, wrestling, athletics, like big dudes. Well, Chris is a little shorter, actually. I think he's only like five, five something, five, six, five, seven. So he's not huge. His brother's a little bit bigger, but these dudes are, are pretty ripped. They lift a lot of weight, done that for many years. And so uh, Mark invented the, the slingshot, which actually helps you um, to lift more weight. Uh, you put it around your around your shoulders, around your chest, and then the idea originally was that it would help you to keep good form, uh, lessen the chance of injury, and then eventually be able to build up and and be able to bench press more uh, more weight. So interesting story. So both of them have been on Joe Rogan uh, podcast a couple of times. So if you're interested in in hearing any of those, I'm sure you can find those on Rogan's platform on Spotify as well. Uh, but in any case, we ended up connecting. I ended up going up to uh, Mark's house in Davis and, and brought my equipment with me and we set up in his kitchen and Chris and I had the conversation uh, right there in, in Davis, California in his brother's kitchen, which was fun. It was, it was great to meet him. I think he gave me a hat and um, we traded some, some, some merch stuff or whatever and hung out for a little bit. Uh, but great, great dude doing some great work. Um, I'm not sure exactly what he's up to, uh, you know, these days as of now. Um, but regardless, the films that he's made bigger, stronger, faster trophy kids, which trophy kids is super interesting too. And that really focuses on the, um, the, the sports like kids in sports and how their parents are freaking crazy. Basically like my kid is going to go pro and like, they're like just mad men with their kids or mad women with their kids. Cause it's both moms and dads just, just going crazy, basically trying to, um, you know, really try Well, trophy kids. I mean, I guess that kind of explains it in, in the title itself. Uh, but uh, prescription thugs definitely highly recommend that one. Um, like I mentioned, and then a leaf of faith as well. It's just done some great work. Um, and uh, I just wanted to share this conversation again. So hopefully you get something out of it today. And uh, I would love it if you shared the podcast with a friend. And uh, if you want to find any of our resources, like our free 10 day guide to help jumpstart your life without alcohol. Uh, if you want to check out our 30 day Quit Drinking Dude Challenge. That's 30 podcasts in 30 days along with exercises uh, to complement that, um, that work and those, those uh, days to keep you accountable as well as our men's community on the Locals platform where you can join uh, the Sober Guy Men's Crew. Uh, but you can find more podcasts. You can find meetings. You can find resources. You can get any of that stuff. You can contact us by going to that Sober Guy dot com it's that sober com and then please follow us on instagram at that sober guy podcast i haven't been on there a, a lot lately i've been taking a bit of a, a tech break you know i went back to the flip phone for about 30 days um and uh it's just been nice during this summertime to relax a little bit and really focus on my kids and my family and um really myself and just trying to be spiritually fit and and trying to um trying to not try let's put it like that <laughs> and just be and really accept and be in the moment and enjoy the time because the days are flying by. I don't know if you feel that, but man, I think I mentioned it in, in last week's intro or the one before, or maybe it was in a conversation. I don't know. I can't remember the chats these days, but it really does just seem like time is going by so fast. So enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Stay in the moment. Uh, do your best. And uh, man, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Chris Bell. <laughs>
All right, Chris Bell, my friend, thank you for inviting me out uh, to uh, do a podcast today, man. I've watched a couple of the movies, um, heard some about your story. Um, you got some um, some amazing things that have happened in your life, both big and small, challenging, triumphs, all that good stuff. So it's great to have you on the podcast, man. Thank you, man. I think we just became like best friends I think in so. like maybe about 15 minutes. <laughs> we pretty much already did a podcast in about 15 minutes. I kept I trying think, to not talk to you because I feel like I can relate to you yeah. so well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, you don't know who to expect. Totally. You're just some guy that called me up and said, Hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And yeah. I didn't have even have time to like look it up or anything. So I said, yeah, it's about sobriety. Great. Come on by. Yeah. And then as really soon cool. as I saw you and I met you, I'm like, I already like this guy. <laughs> and for some reason, I always, I don't have any tattoos. Yeah. Or any really inclination to get any. But for some reason, I get along really well with people that have with a lot of tattoos, people. especially the more they have. Yeah. For some reason, like the better friend they are like That's my weird. lifting partners right now they're tatted like from head to toe and you don't have any i have none just just never thought to I get i got one. a birthmark on my near my belly button but yeah. that's about it that doesn't count you know i i like i don't not like any of my tattoos i have my kids names i got a couple here and there i got them in different places i think if i could if if someone came down and said you can have no tattoos or get more i'd, I'd just get rid of them i don't know mm -hmm. what it is it's a yeah. weird thing man uh, interesting yeah you're at a point now where you're like yeah yeah i've I mean, been there done that and they're cool but they're yeah. fun i actually enjoy i enjoy getting the tattoos like um maybe it's a weird pain thing yeah i don't know like depends where it's at too it could, it could be a process thing you just enjoy the process i do the conversation um working the with the artist totally you know, like i mean there's something very creative about it and it's going on your body forever so it's, yeah it's interesting yeah, yeah. I, I always say i got my kids names so i don't forget which is kind of the classic cheesy joke yeah but at the same time man my my son still says where's my name dad and i show him it's right here if i could get a tattoo though i always said that this would be it but it might be a little too cheesy so like the one thing that always like really inspired me throughout my whole life and inspired me to make a comeback and get sober was yeah. rocky the movie nice. rocky and so there's that like iconic shot of Rocky Balboa wrapped in the American flag after he beat Ivan, Ivan Drago. And I'm always like, I'd love to get that tattooed like on my shoulder, but it'd have to be done. Like it <laughs> yeah. would have to be awesome. Like totally. it would have to be, it would have to look like it popped right out of the movie. Oh yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Like maybe a half sleeve or I something. I might even or... need to get more jacked if I do it too. You're so, pretty you damn know, jacked. You gotta put bro. it, you know, put it across yeah. the arms, you know? Dude. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, health, wellness, sobriety, um, when the first, I, I mentioned this before we got going, the first um, film that I watched of yours was Prescription Thugs, which was phenomenal, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Um, so much good information in there, many good interviews, um, you know, fighting against big pharma and the opioid epidemic. Um, you also, since then, went on to lose a ton of weight and just yeah. get jacked, bro, and just really change your lifestyle. Um, I mean, where did that start for you? It's been a very interesting journey. So when I was, I'll start when I was young, when I was um, 19 years old, I was a power lifter and every week I'd go into the gym and I'd put 500 pounds on the bar and I'd do sets of eight with squats, like all the way ass the grass, Damn. you know, down to the floor. And, um, I was a kid, you know, yeah. and I was, I was beating everybody. I, I could be, I could, I was a power lifter and I was on a national level and I was beating everybody in the country. And I went to teenage nationals and I came in third and that kind of humbled me a little bit because yeah. I, I didn't come in first, but it was a, it was the national meet. And then, um, I moved to California and started basically kicking ass in California and, um, and powerlifting out here. And when I, you know, so 
I, I was just always so into into training. Yeah. But the way that I got into training was really interesting because when I was 16, I had a double knee, uh, double knee surgery, uh, arthroscopic knee surgery. And that was sort of the first sign that there was maybe something wrong with me. Because that's young. To yeah. Get a, I was 16 yeah. years old and I was playing like, you know, Pop Warner football. And I had to have this uh, knee surgery. And after I had the knee surgery, I had a football coach. My football coach was a chiropractor. He was also a power lifter. And he said, well, I'm going to teach you how to, how to do squats, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was kind of interesting because this guy had a lisp and, you know, kids are mean and they'd be like, oh, you're going to go squat with Dr. Tom. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go squat with Dr. Tom. And then, and they thought like, oh, Dr. Tom, he must be gay because the way he talks, he's got a lisp. He's totally normal. Like, shut up. What I've learned, (laughs) but, but listen, where those guys went wrong is they didn't listen to him and I did. Hmm. And everything that I have today is because I listened to that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't the mean one. I wasn't, I wasn't the one being an asshole, being an asshole. Yeah. yeah. And that's like one of my brother's rules of life is don't be a dick. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> you know? man. He always says that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I say that like I listened to him and I internalized what he said and I was able to come back from an injury and, you know, repair my body and get stronger. So he started me squatting with a broomstick on my back and it was a broomstick. And then three weeks later, it was 135 pounds and like six weeks later, it was maybe 225. Then maybe like six months later, it was 315. Then it was 405. Then it was 500 pounds. And you're going, wait a second. I just keep going up, up, yeah. up, you know, and got up to like a 675 pound uh, squat when I was like 23, 24 years old at like a 200 pound body weight, which is, you know, 675. Yeah. Considered really good in, in the powerlifting world. And, um, but then when I was around like 27 or 28, everything started to hurt. Everything started to ache. Yeah. I was always a power lifter. I always prided myself into going to parties and I wouldn't drink. I didn't drink. And the reason why my brother, Mark, Mark Bell, who uh, I, I call him Meathead Millionaire, he's built a huge <laughs> empire business on his company, Slingshot. Uh-huh. And um, Mark is like a fitness icon now. And he always yeah. said, we're actually sitting in his house right now. He always <laughs> says, hey, man, um, it, it's a... Uh, I forgot what I was, where I was going with that. You're, he he. So, um, oh, go ahead. Well, no, you were you were talking about um, he building the empire um, from uh, from Mark. Yeah. And shit, now I forgot to. <laughs> yeah, hey, don't worry. Okay. Seriously, we're sober. Yes, I swear to God, I guys. promise. No, but but basically, um, where where I was going with it is, uh, Mark has uh, built himself up in this way, and he he. This is what I was going to say. He would always say. I don't drink because you didn't, you never drank. Mm. And to this day, he really doesn't drink very often. Maybe yeah. every, like every once in a while, his wife loves wine, but, um, he'll have a glass of wine once a month. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't even care about alcohol. And I yeah. was always like, how is he even like that? You know, cause yeah. I, when I was growing up, I never really liked it. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't like going to parties. I like going to parties just to like talk to people and hang out. Yeah. Um, but I, I always knew about every party. I was friends with everybody. So like we were always at every party, always hanging out. We were still cool. We, we actually made sobriety cool when we were young because we would go to parties, we'd hang out, we wouldn't drink and we'd be cool. And really, you know, and so I think that there was something about that. And that, and that's, that's rare, especially at a younger age like that with the culture of alcohol, how it's just such a norm for you everything. You gave me a do. bumper sticker that says drinking is for pussies. <laughs> and that would have I been, did. that would have been right on my car in yeah. high school. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I would have been like, yeah, drinking is for pussies. Yeah. Like, I, and then, you know, 
when I when I moved to California, when I'm 28 years old, I'm working at uh, Sharky's in Hermosa Beach, which is like a famous bar. It's always yep. packed every single night of the week. You can go there. It doesn't matter. You can go there tonight. It'll be packed. Oh, Hermosa Beach. Hermosa I've been Beach. to the one in Huntington, yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Sharky's is like legendary. Yeah, totally. People just go there and get hammered. And they have these giant, <laughs> giant drinks and these... Uh, in basically like a beach bucket, like yeah. a pail, yeah. and they're called shark attacks, and people will just get like sloshed there, you know. And so, you know, I worked there for a long time, and there was always so many girls coming in. We worked, the, me and my brother worked the door, and then uh, after working there for so long, we knew everybody. So mm-hmm. then, when I stopped working there, and I went and did, I went to USC film school. So cool. uh, in the meantime, I was bouncing, you know, like you you do what you got to do to make money and pay yeah. the bills and do whatever. So when I got out of college, my friend owns Sharkies, uh, and basically said, "Hey, you were the bouncer at the school bar, and you always kept it in line, and I want you to come bounce at my bar now." Yeah. Uh, you know, he's like, "I want you to be the head of security." I'm like. And I'm not a very big guy. I'm only like five six, but I was always in charge of the guys that were like six four, six five. I just I would hire the biggest guys I could find, totally. and they would, you know. But I was better with people. I was good at talking to people and good at you know talking Those to people. social skills and good at talking yeah. people out of fighting and good at talking people like here's why you can't come in here. Like, this reminds just me the of rules. Roadhouse. Yeah, be nice. Yeah, until it's <laughs> like time to not be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it was yeah. just like, hey man, here's the rules and you know this and that. But, you know, I think it's, uh, it's but, but from working there and being around a bar and being around a, that environment, when I stopped working there, I just fell into it. Like it was really easy. Like I knew every girl in Hermosa. I knew everybody that partied. And so it was yeah. like real easy for me to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to Hermosa and party tonight. And it was fun for a while. Um, but then as I was doing it, my body was breaking down. Like all these things. You're talking about drinking, right? Yeah, start, drinking. started drinking. Okay. I, I basically got got out of lifting and into drinking around 28. And from like 28 to like 35, it was like, it's like a blur. It's right. like, I have no idea like what even went down. Um, and uh, actually a, a big part of my life is like that. And that's like the one regret that I have in life is that uh, the like I wasn't sober during some of the times that were really important in my life. Like yeah. we'll get to it a little bit later, but when my older brother Mad Dog died, I was so high on pills that like, I don't even remember crying. You know, really? I remember I've cried a lot since then, um, but it's since, since I got sober, you know? Yeah. Uh, but before when he died, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. What, you know, what do I need to do? You know, yeah. and it wasn't, it was very emotionless and it felt horrible because I wanted to cry and I was asking everybody like, should I be crying? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but you, you know, couldn't. Or you just, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Didn't he? Did he pass away during the filming of Prescription Thugs, or was it before? Yeah, it was basically. So we did bigger, stronger, faster, and I was actually trying to come up with an idea for my for my second movie. I'm like, well, what? Like, what can I possibly do? You know, as my second movie, and I, I was, you know, trying to come up with ideas. And I had began filming some stuff. Uh, my friend was a basketball coach at the time, mm. and it was my drinking buddy. My, oh, really? my drinking buddy, Leland, he was a guy I used to go out and party with all the time. And he's a big dude. He played basketball at Michigan, uh, Division One basketball, was handed everything his whole life. This is a classic story. Yeah. And he became an alcoholic and a drug addict because he was always handed everything. And then when that was taken away from him because he hurt his back, yeah. he didn't know what to do. And wow. so he still is lost. He's still in the struggle. You know, I've been trying to help him for a long time. And... He just doesn't ever come out of it, you know, yeah. because he's like, I have no purpose. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're six foot eight, 280 pounds. What do you mean you don't have any purpose? You know, you, you could destroy That's, people. You could, you could, there's so much things that you could do, but there's also so many things that he could do just because 
he's so talented at basketball and other things. It's like, yeah, dude, you're just wasting he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, you're wasting a lot of time. You know, that's always like one of the toughest things is when we see people we love, like family or friends, and we know their potential. We can see what they have to offer. Um, you know, it could be a number of things, whatever their purpose is, maybe. And you can't help them because you can't help someone who really doesn't want to help themselves. And it's really, that's a really tough thing. I still work through I, that. I've with been really I torn on it and maybe we should even bring it up right now. So like Leland, he was my best friend for 10 years, more than that, maybe like 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, he moved out from Boston. I moved out from New York to California. We met at Gold's gym. We both worked uh, selling gym memberships at Gold's. Nice. We both were sort of the big personalities there. Mm -hmm. And I was five foot six and he's six foot eight. So we actually looked like the number 10 walking around. Yeah, it's like Danny together. DeVito yeah. and Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it, 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 it totally was. Um, and uh, except for he wasn't that jacked and I wasn't that fat. But it, it's kind of close. Just the height thing. Yeah, That's yeah, all yeah. I was thinking. Kind of close. But anyway, uh, regardless of that, you know, uh, like uh, he was my boy and we, we hung out all the time. And like now, you know, so basically I had cut him off. Yeah. Um, maybe about a year ago. Just so like I, I can't do it anymore, dude. Like you're you're gonna end up like mad dog and you're gonna I'm gonna find you in the gutter and that's how it's gonna be. And I just can't I can't watch you do this to yourself. Yeah. And kinda like when I stopped uh talking to him, uh, you know, he didn't come around for like a long time, but now like recently he's come kind of trying to come back around really? again. Like he keeps texting me and stuff, and I've texted him back once and once or twice, but then I'll just get like 10 texts in a row. And he's trying to tell me that he's like 60 days sober. I'm like, yeah, but people that are sober don't text people 10 times in a row. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's, a, that's a drunk, that's totally. a drunk thing. So big I, sign. so I'm, I'm like, man, I just, I, I'm like, I love the guy. I want to text him back. I don't want to see anything bad happen to him. But at the same time, like, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. Like I've seen my brother go down this path. I've seen so many of my friends, you know, go down that path that like, I'm almost scared to be a part of it. So I'm actually trying yeah. to like, be stronger and just come back around and just like call him up and be like, Hey dude, yeah. let like, I, it's hard because he's a very, uh, he can manipulate me very easily. Totally. And so like, I know if I call him and I say, Hey, look, are you really doing this? You really want to get sober? Do you really want to get clean? Cause I'll help you. And then like have him not come through on it would be yeah. like so disappointing to me. Yeah. Well, you and set, you set like, yourself up and you know, you have, cause and you, you invest time and emotions and then you start, hoping for the best, or maybe you see a little progress and then all of a sudden it's like eight steps back. Like I have a good friend, um, you know, who I, is one of my best homies and spent a lot of time together, especially when we were using drugs together and, uh, he got in a really bad car accident and almost died and yeah. it changed his, it changed his life because, um, just it, he had some brain damage and, um, the recovery just physically for him has been, um, it's been insane, well, like pain-wise, and it's and brutal. It's, and it's a lot of the same stuff. And though. that's what happened to me. So I was a power lifter my whole life, right? Going through, we get to the, you know, we get to this age of like 28 when I kind of stop power lifting. I start drinking more, yeah. you know. But I was always still lifting. I always still lifted. I always still followed kind of like a low carb diet. I've been doing like a low carb ketogenic diet style thing since like 1995, but I've gone on and off of it so much. I've gotten really fat up to 260 pounds. I've gotten really lean down to 165 pounds, like, and everywhere in between. Yeah. Um, and now I found something that, you know, really works for me a lot better. Um, which we'll talk about in a, in a little bit, but like, I feel like, um, I've been, you know, through, through all this, like, you know, up and down. Yeah. And, um, but when I got to be, 
28 and I, and I started being in pain. I was actually working at a Sony pictures at the time. I was a, a production coordinator, uh, for their special effects department. Cause I had gone to film school and I was like, man, I'm, why am I working at these bars? I'm just wasting my time. I, yeah. I have to, I wanted to really be a filmmaker, but I couldn't get a real job. Like I just like every time I go to get a real job in the film industry, yeah. like nobody wanted to hire me. I had too big a vision. Like I, I would be like, Hey, uh, you know, I'd walk into Warner Brothers and be like, okay, when I take over the studio, here's what I want to do. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> not, not that big, but, uh, but you know, like I just feel like I, um, I was never the person that was going to be an employee. I was never going to be the person that you could tell, hey, just do this, this, and this, and yep. it'll, and good job. I had to do things that were like outside the box that like fit me, that fit uh, what I do and, and who I am. So uh, basically though, like, what ended up happening was um, like I, I was lifting and I was doing all these things and then, and I was drinking and stuff, but I wasn't, I wasn't bad. I was just partying just like everybody else. Yeah. And then I made bigger, stronger, faster. And in the course of making uh, bigger, stronger, faster, which was my first film, uh, it was at Sundance in 2008. So I started that in like 2005, right? Actually right before that I was working at Sony. And then right before that, I was working at WWE as a writer. Mm. So I was work, I was on the road writing for yeah. WWE. And that was another thing. I got fired from WWE after six months. Really? It was like a dream job for me, yeah. but it's a very high pressure job. And it's funny because you're writing for wrestling, which is like a, a joke. Yeah. It's and, a joke. Well, Mike was working as a wrestler. It, at he that was time, a wrestler, right? but he was never like a big contract guy. He was, Got it. you know, kind of like the guy that he used to beat up. Yeah. But, um, but what I were was you saying you said it was a joke, like you were writing. And it was I'm just, I, I, it, it's to get fired from WWE as a writer. You'd be like, how bad of a writer are you? And it's like, no, it's not that I'm a bad writer. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm not clicking with the rest of the group. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, you don't have the talent to write for WWE. It was more like it was a fast paced, crazy environment. And um, the things that, you know, was like basically what happened there was I went in with a bunch of ideas and just like the studios and other places that I said, the ideas were just like way too big, way too yeah. like there. But that's what they hired me for. When they hired me, they said, we want you to flesh out big, long storylines. So I went through and I fleshed out a big, long storyline that was like 12 weeks long, like a feature film. Like we're going to unmask Kane, the undertaker's brother. He's going to take the mask off. Like I built out this like 12 week thing. And then like, when you actually see it on TV, they did it all in one night. You know, wow. so it's like they basically like just <laughs> in the beginning of the night set up a match and like, okay, we're going to, you know, tonight he's get, get, you and know, that get was that. That was it. It's like, I thought you guys wanted me to develop long, yeah. you know, but a, a lot of things would happen, yeah. you know, happen like that. And it's just like, I just wasn't cut out for that. Well, then, so then you were saying then but, you, you made bigger, uh, well, stronger. What, what I wanted to say is like all those things, like when you get fired from WWE from your dream job, that was a crushing blow to me. It was a depressing, yeah. crushing blow. And it wasn't like I went home and started like drinking after that or any, anything like that. Yeah. These things slowly creep up on you. Somebody was just asking me about like how much of it's a personal choice. And I said, none of it. It's you, you slide into it. Yeah. You know, um, is it a personal choice to take the pill, the Vicodin, the Percocet, the fentanyl the first time? Yeah. But usually it's not really a choice. Usually it's a, it's a direction that you're given from a doctor. You know, hey, you should, take, you should take this. Yeah. So is there a personal choice? Well, no, because if a doc, your doctor tells you, take this, it's going to help you, you're going to take it. Yeah. So it's not really your choice, right? But you do you do get to a point where you could stop taking them or you could get to a point where you could say, hey, I understand I'm, 
like I used to only need five. Now I need 10 yeah. and you can get to a point where you can say, okay, well maybe I should get off of these. Yeah. Um, and then personal choice could be an issue, but at that point we know as addicts, it's not your choice anymore. Yeah. The drug well, already took over. I think what kind of what you're, you're talking about too, is the progression of things like, so whether it's alcohol pills, whatever it is, um, <clears throat> I never thought. I would be in the spot that I was in in the last year before I went to rehab. Like it was like, like I'm not supposed to be, this isn't what I plan my life out to be. Like I'm not, how, how the hell did I get to this point? And it happened so fast. Um, it was, it, it, it was almost like unreal, almost surreal, I guess. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's the path that I went down. It was like, it, I wasn't, it just got you all of a sudden. It, it got me. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and so basically like, you know, um, I'll just skip forward a little bit because it's this is where the interesting stuff comes in. I, I finished Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Uh-huh. I finished my first feature film. I went to USC film school. I was dying to make movies. I got out of school and it took me 10 years from the day I got out of school, which, by the way, is a story that my dad told at Sundance. Mm. He walked up and, you know, we were in front of the whole, uh, you know, all the people that watched the movie at the premiere, like 500 people. My dad said, yeah, I told my son that when he graduated from college, it would take him 10 years to do what he wanted to do, to achieve what he wanted to achieve. And then I grabbed the mic from him and I said, yeah. And today is like literally 10 years from the date that I went to college. (laughs) It's it's only like a month or two off. It was like, it was uh, Sundance was at the end of January and it was 10 years, the September that had just passed. So that September I just, that had just passed. It was like, what, October, November, January. I, I was Almost. like three months shy of 10 years wow. bef- before I made it to where I wanted to make it. And my dad just knew that from experience. You yeah. know? And then um, we went to Sundance and it was great, but I just kept remembering it Sundance because I was getting hammered at that time. I had a really bad drinking problem. I had no problem with prescription pills yet. I'd never taken a prescription How pill How old yet. were you at this time? I was like 30, I want to say like 33, 34, okay. somewhere around. It was like I was making bigger, stronger, faster. I was in, When I got my hip replacement surgery, I did double. So what happened was we're, we're going we're gonna to get to that. So basically what ended up happening was I had a double hip replacement surgery. And I had them done at the same time. And the reason I had to have that done is because I had arthritis my whole life that I didn't know about. And I didn't know about it until after... I had won all these powerlifting competitions. I had done, you know, done all these things. I was always in pain, but I was never a complainer. So you just wrote it. Just, yeah, just wrote yeah, it. I was like, yeah, yeah whatever. And then uh, my doctor was like, you can't even walk. He's like, you need two, you need two new hips. Like when my doctor saw me, and I'm like, but you haven't even done an X-ray. He goes, I don't need to. Yeah, he could just. You tell. can't even move. You know, and uh, from the time that he told me that until the time they took my hips out, it was a couple months. And that was the most agonizing pain I've ever been in my entire life. Even sleeping, probably just oh, I mean, not, yeah, nothing. Anything. And so they gave me what's called Darvaset. And I always say like there's this um, this gradual like uh, mountain of opioids. There's like you have like uh, Darvaset, or maybe you have like I don't know which ones which ones are lower, but like on the low end you have like codeine and Darvaset yeah. and Tramadol. And then it starts like really ramping up to like Norco and Vicodin, which are yeah. kind of the same thing. And then like, you know, then it's fentanyl or then it's a uh, Percocet, Percocet, Oxycontin, Oxycontin, yeah. Roxycontin, Roxycodone, you know, <laughs> yeah, Zyhodrone and now cart fentanyl, which is an elephant Dude, tranquilizer where if crazy. you even touch it, you could die. Yeah. Right. And so it's this 
ever-increasing scale of opioids that like, who's ever going to be able to get off of that? Nobody, because that's a train yeah. that just keeps going in circles, you know? So uh, you can get off of opioids for, you know, people get off them, they always they always go right back on them. It's not, it's not something yeah. that's really easy to get off of. So what ended up happening is after the surgery, I still had a lot of pain. I was achy all the time. <laughs> Everything hurt. And um, I think after about two weeks, two or three weeks of being on prescription painkillers, co- I was already addicted to them. Yeah. I could tell. Fast. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I just remember I would go walk. I had a bulldog at the time. And like, I'd go like, walk my dog around the block. And by the time I got back, I needed to take more pills. Damn. Because it hurt that bad. Really? I was like, well, I can only, I, I'm only going to go around the block. Because I was, I, I, it was, I got to a point where I was 10 weeks post-surgery. I was still... Uh, I was on crutches for 12 weeks, so I could walk, but I had to do that like stutter step walk with yeah. the crutches where it's like, looks all weird. And, um, it's brutal. And I, you know, it's, you don't realize how much you rely on each joint in your body, each bone in your body, each thing in your body. And it's like, when you go through all that pain and all that agony, and then, you know, you go to the gym and you see somebody that has like one leg or something like when I, like that, like I do all the time. It inspires me so much because yeah. I know I know how bad it hurts when one joint hurts. Yeah, and I'm like I could not imagine missing like you know losing a limb. Oh, totally losing like not having my faculties about me, being blind, being deaf. Yeah. So I commend all of those people that have those disabilities and are able to like overcome them because yeah. what I'm overcoming is just pain. And to me, it's a lot simpler than a lot of these other other problems. And that's what I want to talk about because I think there's a lot of ways to get people out of pain that they don't get addicted to anything. Yeah. How many pills were you taking a day? I was up to about 30. Damn. You know? And they were Percocet, 10 milligram, big, yeah. big dogs, you know? And it's it's like you were saying, like you, you, you take five and then all of a sudden five doesn't work. Now you got to take 10. So speaking 10 like work, it's just- of irony and how, you know, how messed up the country that we live in is I'm at the UCLA USC game and my the doctor who owns the clinic where I had my hip replacement surgery ends up sitting right behind me. Really? And I'm sitting there popping Percocets the whole game, talking to the dude, right? And and he's telling me, like, he's like, have you had trouble with your hip? I said, yeah, my hip's killing me all the time. And I was telling him, like, all the pain I was having, all the problems. I was and he's like, well, listen, man. He's like, we've had a lot of people have recalls on their hip. I'm like, you have? And he goes, yeah, we've had about 5% people recall they're still in pain. He's like, you might be one of those people. He's like, you need to call my office right away. And I was like, okay. So I actually went home. By the time I got, uh, uh, it wasn't that day. It was maybe like that was on kind of Saturday because it was a USC football game. Yeah. So by the next like Monday or Tuesday, they had called my parents, the the office. And they said, we need to see your son right away. We think he might have one of these bad hips and really? we might have to redo it. So basically like they pulled one of them. Two years after my first surgery, I was still addicted to painkillers. And then they rip out my other hip and put a new one back in. So that's my third hip replacement, basically. Damn. And um, when when they did that, and then they put me back on pills, and that was in uh, November. It was November 14th of 2008, right? Bigger, Stronger, Faster was just about to come out. Like, it was going to come out in January at Sundance. So I was going to be, uh, the plan was, get, I was going to be just off crutches, you know, yeah. when I when I got to Sundance. And I was, right? That that was the first surgery. The second surgery happened in 2000, I want to say it was 2009 or 10, 2009. And it happened like one week 
or one, one month before my brother Mad Dog passed away. Mm. So Mad Dog died. And then uh, or I went in for a hip replacement. And then my brother died. Imagine like how bad that is, like getting yeah. kicked in the nuts. Totally. You know, after, you know, it's like insult to injury. And um, like I said, you know, my brother died and I didn't really have the emotions there that I thought should be there when somebody dies. Yeah. It's really and, totally numb. And that's another, like, if I have any regrets, those are the regrets. It's those little, those little things. Like I should have cried more when my brother died. And it's like, yeah. you know, because I feel like I didn't mourn properly and maybe I didn't get over it properly because I think things at the time mentally affect you, right? Like, it mentally affects you at that time and it's and and it's like where your mental state is at that time i think is going to matter yeah. as far as like how you deal with it how you grieve how you process it yeah and all these different things so i never really processed that correctly mm. and i always felt you know i always feel guilty about it still till today yeah like i don't yeah. even like kind of like to talk about it i feel like yeah. i'm getting into dirty territory or something <laughs> like oh, maybe i shouldn't do you do talk. you work do you work on that stuff like through recovery like i do step work or anything yeah um, okay so here's my deal with aa i think aa is amazing yeah. i love it uh, i've never heard better stories i'm a storyteller i'm a filmmaker yeah. and you cannot make up the things that you hear in aa you can't make up like yeah i i went i got hammered i was at the airport i got hammered Next thing you know, we're landing in London and I'm in the cockpit with the pilots <laughs> drinking. Yeah. And I get arrested. And you're like, what? How yeah. did that happen? You know, like, and you, you have no Un idea. Unbelievable. I yeah. mean, you, you've heard them on. Oh, yeah. So sure. That's just one example. They're insane. And, um, and you know, you hear those stories. So I, I love it for that fact. And it's helped me tremendously to, uh, to, do, to do a lot with my life. Um, but when I went, I was forced to go through the rehab I went to. I hated it. You didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. I didn't like the way people acted. I hate walking around, watching people suck on dildos, which are those vaporizers. I can't stand it. <laughs> what is the deal with those? It's I don't, stupid. Yeah, I don't get it either. But it like looks like a dildo. <laughs> it's like it does actually. Now and they're like say that <laughs> they're like sucking. This they always thing. cover it too. Yeah, Maybe that's like, so oh, it doesn't have to look like it. Yeah, sucking these things. You're Vape. like you're like you you think about how weak minded it is. Yeah, think about how weak minded addiction is. Think how weak minded it is. When you um, you pick up a food that's made for a child and you eat it, mm. we'll talk about cherry pies. <laughs> but I have a story for you. <laughs> Let's hear it. So my I started a ketogenic low carb diet. You know, uh, shortly, uh, not shortly after, but like a couple of years ago, um, started doing it seriously. And um, when I was doing it, I was with my girlfriend Lauren, and. Lauren was like, okay, we're going to do this. And Lauren's already like shredded. She looked awesome. Yeah. And she's like, we're going to do this. She's like, you're, we're going to get, you're going to get in shape. And, and I think in the back of her head, she thought like, he's not going to really get in shape. Like, who's he kidding? Yeah. You know, and she just loved me because she's a happy girl and she was, you know, super nice girl. I just got lucky, man. I got lucky with this really, really beautiful girl who people were like, come up to me going, dude, is that your girlfriend? <laughs> like, she, like, no offense, but she's yeah. way out of your league. I'm really? like, no, no, like, trust me, I know, dude, I yeah. know. Like, I know I'm, what I got, man. I'm Come well, on. I'm well aware, and I and I take care of her really good, and I'm really nice to her. Yeah. So don't worry about. It. But you know, it was it was always kind of like it was always kind of like that. And um, but she's you know she ended up being the one that saved my life because wow. when when I was down and out and I was, uh, but I'll, I'll, let me tell this story first. So I started this low carb ketogenic diet, and I was sticking to it, and it was a third day in. And the third day, and I had these crazy uh, sugar cravings. But since I was an addict, 
I didn't, you know, I had that behavior where I like to hide stuff. Totally. So yeah. I was like, hey, Lauren, I need to go to the uh, gas station to get gas. She's like, at 9 p.m.? I'm like, well, you know, I like to get up early and train, so I don't want to get up at like five and have to go to the gas station. Yeah. I'm just going to go now. I feel like going now. I'll go fill up my car. And But I was really going to the gas station to get a bunch Sugar. of candy. And I got mm-hmm. like two or three packs of uh, Starburst, just regular Starburst. And I just like opened them right there in the, you know, in, in my car. And, yeah. and like you're doing you know, dope or something. But Starbucks are hard, <laughs> Star, Starbursts are hard to open. Yeah, it takes some and effort. It takes a little effort, right? Yeah. And I opened up like two full packages of Starbursts and chomped them down. Ate them in the car and then like went back in and was like, hey, hon, how you doing? You know, and then she's like, oh, awesome. I'm like, yeah. I can't wait. What should we have for breakfast tomorrow? And I'm thinking, yeah. man, I just blew my I just diet. ate a bunch of Starburst. And I didn't tell her for like months afterwards because yeah. I felt so bad. And it didn't do anything to my diet or what I was it's doing. It's like mental there. though. Like it's, there's a mental. It was a weakness. Yeah. I look at it as a weakness. And yeah. you said you have a weakness with like cherry, cherry pie. pies, man. It's the same, same thing. I'll go, you know, Jess will say, hey, we need some potatoes, grab a salad. Okay, I'll be right back. I've done, I've actually done the same thing too. Hey, I'm gonna run to the store real quick. Yeah, it's cherry pies, uh, Hostess cherry pies or cupcakes, Hostess cupcakes. It's the same thing. I'll eat them real fast on the way back home when I'm driving. Yeah, and then I'll nobody go, will see it. Nobody will see it, and then I'll go around the side gate on my way in, and I'll throw them in the outside garbage so nobody yeah. sees them. And then I'll go in. Hey, how, how you doing? Yeah, Until- and it's like this. There's this self-destructive want or need there too. Um, it's a weird set. Yeah, yes. I like the taste of it. It's sugar. It, it tastes good at the time. I feel terrible afterwards, but there's, it's almost like a punishment type of thing, which is really odd. Even when I say it out loud right now. Yeah, it is really weird. And, and so, um, I think that, uh, we can condition ourselves out of those things. Yeah. We, we were made to be addicted to food though. That's the thing that you're, the thing that you're missing is that like, um, you probably haven't dove into the food industry like i have i'm Not doing like this you, I'm, sure. I'm doing this documentary now yeah. on the food industry and um i'm i know it's terrible um well they it, it's frito-lay spends 30 million dollars a year on making their foods more addictive that's in a leaf of faith i yeah. talked about vanishing caloric density in a leaf of faith yeah because i think it's really important to put things in perspective and thing in ways that people can understand it so when i want to talk about you know how addictive something is. I said, well, it's like as addictive as coffee. Now, yeah. like now, you can understand it, right? Like you have a better, a better you can, understanding. You can compare, kind of. But if I tell you, man, like, hey, look, I designed to make this cherry pie addictive. They're doing the same thing that Big Pharma did with opioids. So opioids mm-hmm. are a thousand times more. Uh, they bind to receptors a thousand times harder than anything in nature. And, you know, Kratom, which we were talking about before, is a plant from Southeast Asia that people take to use to detox from opioids, but also take it just because it makes them feel good, makes them happy. And uh, it doesn't bind to the receptors in that way Mm. because it's natural, right? So now you're looking at it going, wait, they designed it to bind to that receptor? And their excuse is like, yeah, well, we had to. That's how how it gets rid of the pain for so long. And, you know, they, and then Oxycontin was all started on a lie where they told you like, Hey, look, it'll last four hours. Mm. But after you take it for like a month, it only lasts three hours. After you take it for two months, it only lasts two hours. After you take it for like six months, yeah, it only lasts for like an hour and then you got to take more. Right. And so you're building that tolerance and then you just get to a point where there is no way that you could take enough to get high without getting respiratory depression and dying. Yeah. And the thing that's really interesting about Kratom is it doesn't, um, it doesn't make your body produce this substance called beta arrestin and beta arrestin is why people die from, uh, 
I guess it's like an increase in uh, beta arrestin, which makes you, uh, it slows your breath. It's what controls your breathing. Got like it. The, the hormone or enzyme or whatever you, whatever you call it. I have to look into it a little, for, a little bit further, but uh, I know as far as talking to the doctors, yeah. uh, like Dr. Christopher McCurdy from U- University of Florida has been studying Kratom for 12 years. And he says to me like, hey, look, beta arrestin is what kills people. When you raise the beta arrestin, it's what makes people stop breathing and they die. And Kratom doesn't do that at all. So- it's crazy because we, we've stumbled upon this plant that can help people with all sorts of addiction, including sugar addictions. Hmm. And, and so when I started taking Kratom, what happened was, and this is controversial because like I started taking Kratom. I went on Joe Rogan's podcast and I talked about it. Yeah. I got crucified by AA. People that were my friends. Really? Oh, yeah. People are my friends going on my social media saying, hey. I, I have listened to the podcast. a great podcast. Hey, bro, I mean, you're not sober anymore. Well, who cares? I it's not for you. Yeah. I didn't get sober for you. I got sober for me, you wow. know? And I got so, and, and if you watch A Leaf of Faith, the, the person that's helped me the most throughout my entire sobriety, besides my brother Mark, has been a guy named Richard Tate, who I owe my entire life to. Richard Tate owns Cliffside Malibu. Oh, He's yeah. one of the craziest people I know, <laughs> but I love him. Yeah, I love him because of that. He's like a no bullshit guy. And when you see him in interviews and you see him on Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz, he's all buttoned up. He looks, you know, he looks amazing and speaks very well. But when he gets you like alone, you know, and he's got you, he he basically walked into my, uh, my rehab. The first day I was there, he said, come here, baby, give me a hug. And he gives me a big hug. And he was in prescription thugs. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. And so. So I interviewed him for prescription thugs. This is kind of amazing. This is how this is how my life works all the time. Like every, this is an everyday occurrence. I know a lot of people. I am good talking to people. Like I have fun talking to people and I like it. And there's always some somebody else that I know that I can hook this guy up with that'll help this guy, that'll help this sure. guy, that'll help this guy. Yeah. And you know, Richard knew that and he, he's seen my films. And so he, inter- I interviewed him, but then, you know, uh, six months later or even more like eight months later, I ended up in detox up here in Sacramento. My girlfriend, I was, I was drinking every day. I met this girl, Lauren, she was beautiful. And I said, Hey, you know, like let's hang out, blah, blah, blah. We started hanging out. We started dating. Once we started dating, I had to say to her like, Hey, I have a problem. Mm. And she's like, what, like, what could it possibly be? You know, I was trying yeah. to think. I'm like, well, listen, every night when you go to bed, I open up a bottle of vodka and I drink the whole thing. She was like, what? I'm like, yeah, the whole thing. And then I take benzodiazepines to go to sleep. She's like, what are benzodiazepines? Like, well, like Xanax and Ativan <laughs> yeah. and, you know, like She had no idea. And I was, off, so what happened was I got off, I was able to get off of opioids. I was able to get away from them, but I couldn't get away from alcohol. Mm. And, um, you know, there's, you hear these disputes all the time in rehab and AA, and I would just say like, it's probably all the same. We, we probably struggle to different degrees with different things, depending on who we are. Some people it's cocaine, some people it's heroin, some people it's pills. Yeah. Some people it's booze, some people it's porn. You're like, how can you get obsessed with porn? And you're like that, you could just walk away from it. Like, yeah. no, they can't. They have the same problem that we had. Yeah. You know, and, and some people have all of them. You know, some people have issues, you know, what's your drug of choice? And some people are like, I'm an everything club. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Gambling, shopping, uh, shopping, sex, drugs, alcohol. I, you know, I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? Like the, the concept of it, no matter what the choice is of what the product is or whatever it is you're using, that, that addictive tendency or trait 
if you possess it, it'll kill you. So I think, yeah, I think addiction's everywhere, right? Yeah. And I think like, so one of the biggest places where addiction comes, like we all have to eat every day. We don't have to use drugs every day. We don't have to drink alcohol every day, but you have to eat. Yeah. So are you going to make a good choice? Are you going to make a bad choice? Are you going to make an uninformed choice? You know, um, are you going to make no choice and have somebody make it for you? Like there, there's, there's several options here, right? Yeah. When you say each time that you eat, I want to be a strong individual. I want to be strong. I want to be a good dad, a good husband, a good, whatever you want to be good. I want to be a good podcaster, like whatever. I want yeah. to be good. Well, those things require proper nutrition. And I think this is like the way to explain it to kids because I feel like in a way you got to talk to people like they're kids because they're eating like kids. Sure. They're eating cherry pies and Starburst. <laughs> look at us. We're fat fucks, yeah. you know? Like, look at what we're eating. And so when you have, when when you're like looking at that, you go like, well, why, why is Shane eating so much sugar? Why does he need those cherry pies? Yeah. Well, he needs those cherry pies because his brain tells him that's good and that lights up his brain. It gives him dopamine. It gives him what? What? What does it give you? Dopamine? Dopamine. What's the first couple letters? Dope. Of? Yeah. <laughs> Gives us dopamine. Uh-huh. Yeah, it does. It's an it's a And if we can get quick. rid of dopamine. Yeah. If we can not we we need it, but I mean if we can lower our expectations of when we get dopamine and when we don't, yeah. and we can replace that with something called serotonin, which is also made mm. in the brain. Serotonin comes from love. Serotonin comes from Lauren. It comes from my my dad comes yeah. from my mom and it comes from my brother. Dopamine comes from drugs. It comes from porn. Mm. It comes from weed. It comes, yeah. it comes from all these things that, that could like bring you down, right? Yeah. And some of them do and some of them don't. Like I have friends that smoke weed every day and they're super, you know, Joe yeah, Rogan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Joe Rogan's right? my boy, right? Like, and, and he's got no problem with it. He's doing great. That's, that's his path. You know what I mean? Um, but I always warn people don't look at somebody else's path and think that you can do that if i look at uh the mm. best mr olympia of all time was probably ronnie coleman yeah biggest dude in the world it's like wow i'm just gonna eat what he ate and train like he trained well guess what it ain't gonna work for you like that it's different different it, person it's genetics it's i mean there's well, so well, many what, factors what right? about just the relationship with food too my wife and i had this conversation recently um with someone at our gym in vacaville about the relationship between like this emotional connection to it versus eating for fuel. There's a, there's a big difference and that's something that um, there's a connection there. Maybe it goes back to childhood. Maybe I'm sure it has some, you know, addictive connections to it too. Um, How do you kind of, how do you start to change that relationship? I I think you change it through what I was just going to bring up. And I think that's um, some sort of fasting. Really? So my brother, a couple of weeks ago, he had, he owns a house up in uh, Bodega Bay. Uh-huh. You know where that is? Great place. Yeah. yeah so beautiful. he they own like a nice beach. He's he's done well for himself, and yeah. And uh, you know he likes to have nice things, and they have a cool house up in Bodega Bay. And he said, this "Hey, is a, this is a badass house too." I'm yeah. I'm going to uh, <laughs> excuse me. I'm gonna go do a uh, dopamine fast. And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's wow. like, "I'm just gonna fast from everything." Like I'm bringing a notebook and a pen. I'm not bringing. I'll have my phone with me, but it's gonna just stay in a in a drawer somewhere. Yeah. And um, you know, I have my car, but I'm not gonna listen to the radio. I'm not gonna listen to podcasts. I'm not. I'm not wow. doing anything. I'm just. I'm driving up there by myself. I'm hanging out in my house by myself. No wife. No kids. No friends. No nothing. And I'm just gonna hang out and be with myself for a weekend. 
and he made it like 24 hours. <laughs> you know, but he still had to like text his wife a couple times. Yeah. Like there's still things that you got to do, right? Totally. But he said it was one of the most valuable experiences that he'd ever had. So like, I want to actually try to do it. I want to try also. to do it too. That's huge. And um, and also like what Mark was saying is like, well, maybe it'd be awesome if we did it together. Because then you have at least you have somebody else to talk to. You got you got some you got yeah. may, maybe uh, maybe what you're doing is like maybe there's a dopamine fast that can be replaced with the person I love the most, my brother. Wow. And so maybe it's a serotonin, maybe it's a a dopamine fast and a serotonin splurge or something. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't really know. I mean, we haven't really tried that yet, but I think getting away from things helps so much. So to explain what a carnivore diet is yeah. is so crazy to people. But basically, the way it all came about was in 1995, I went to Gold's Gym in Venice, and I was training with a guy named Mike O'Hearn. A lot of people know him as Titan. He was on American Gladiators. Mm-hmm. He's this huge, jacked, good-looking, all-American kind of guy. And uh, Mike O'Hearn was, uh, he just looks like a like he walked right out of a magazine, you know? <laughs> the it, specimen. If I say like, yeah, if you say like, hey, what do you picture a bodybuilder being? Like, I would point to his picture. Yeah. He's the guy. He's like... You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, but more, even like more uh, aesthetic, mm. you know, like it, it's more of a, a look that most guys would want to look like. He just turned 50 really? and he posted his dad bought at 50 and he's like jacked and shredded. Like he's like 260 <laughs> and just shredded. Right. And he's like, yeah, dad bought. And you're like, yeah, yeah right. Come sure. on. Come on. Mike. So Mike was training with this guy, Ron Fedko. Ron Fedko now works at Stanford and he's a head of the computer science department up there. And you know, as well as I do, anybody in a high position that's uh, really successful, usually crazy. Yeah, somewhat, <laughs> you know? for sure. Like I was just saying with my friend Richard that owns Cliffside Malibu, he's like a little, he's a little yeah. crazy, but that's what, that's what gives him that energy to help people. And he wouldn't have that energy to help people. But also like the way, like I said, when he got me alone and he could get through to me, that's where he really got through. You know, it was like when, when he's talking could, to you one on one. When he could be one on one and he could get a little crazy and tell yeah. you things that like be maybe, real. yeah, maybe you wouldn't want to <sighs> say in a meeting setting because like other people won't totally get it. Yeah. You know, um, but the, uh, where was I even going with that? Uh, yeah. what I, basically what I was saying is like, the, so the carnivore diet came out. I was training with this guy, Ron Fedco, and Ron Fedco is like, no bullshit. He'll just tell you exactly how he feels. Be like, Shane, don't like the beard. Get rid of it. Don't like the tats. Get rid of them too. Huh. You know, like he'll just tell yeah. you, like, and you'd be like, oh, okay. Right, like, Ron. and he's very intimidating, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's very smart, almost like too smart for his own good. So he's like, yeah, you know, like you would be a really good power lifter. Like your lifts are really good, but like you're just so fat that like they're really, I don't really see much of a future for you unless you like, you probably got to lose like 60 pounds. Just brutally honest. 60 pounds. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you want me to weigh like 160? Well, guess what? There was a point in my life where I weighed 168 pounds. Really? And I was shredded to the bone. So like this guy, th- this guy's prediction of what I should weigh when I was like ripped was yeah. exact. So he spoke it out over you. He, that well, I, I don't know. I, he just he just knew. He like, you, that's yeah. how much you should weigh. And um, so that was the only time I was ever really like that low of body fat, like that lean. Uh, you know, but- that wouldn't have anything to do with the carnivore diet, though. At that no, time, you weren't. No, on that it. did. Oh, it that did. did. So I'll explain it. So okay. basically, what happens is like, you're too fat, and I said, "Well, what do you what do you suggest I do about it?" He's like, "Go get a pen and a piece of paper and write down everything I say." I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." I'm already in school at this point. I'm at USC. I'm yeah. like, "Oh God, I got to take more notes." So I said, "You know, I basically go get a pen and a paper from the front desk." I'm at Gold's Gym in Venice. Yeah. He's like, "Okay, write this down. Ready? Red meat, water, salt. That's it." I said, well, where's the rest of it? 
where's the vegetables? Where's the this? Where? Yeah. He's like, no, no, that's it. And I said, what do you mean that's it? He's like, he's like, if he's like, you're telling me that you can't eat like steak every meal or, you know, a burger every meal or just even ground beef. It's three bucks a pound at the time, you know, back then. Yeah. It was 1995. Like, you can't afford that, you know. And I said, well, no, no, I can totally afford it. I mean, you can get these big tubes of ground beef at, yeah. at Costco for like real cheap and whatever. And um, I'm like, I'm just wondering why. He goes, because you're too fat. And like, that was it. Like, that was the explanation. So like, I kind of had to <laughs> dive in on my own. Shit. And so then I'm actually walking away and he goes, hey, Chris. And I turn around and he's like, not even a stick of gum. Really? And I'm like, dude, like how crazy is this going to be? Yeah. So uh, I call him the next day and go, Ron, you're going to hate me because I know you're going to say no. But I looked at all the ingredients. Can I have like brown mustard on my beef? And he's like, yeah, brown mustard's fine, but no ketchup. But so I bought this giant thing of Golden's brown mustard from Smart and Final, and I had a big pump on it. It was like a gallon thing that you buy for like the, yeah, the hot dog stand, yeah, the big ass one. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and I bought that, and I bought these giant pounds. Uh, me and my roommate at the time, my roommate was as crazy as I was about lifting. Yeah. His name was Justin Braun. So to have the last name Braun, you have to be a lifter. Yeah, There's no be. way that you couldn't. He actually went went on to become the head strength coach at Montana State really? University, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, he did it with me and we had a whole freezer packed full of beef. We had nothing in our fridge except for water and, and beef in our fridge. And then like uh, a giant thing of uh, mustard that was all in our, like in our and apartment. Some salt, right? You get salt, some you salt. salt it. That's it. And some salt. And, uh, I did this carnivore diet for two and a half weeks. And I went from like, I think I was like 242. I think I went from like 242 to 220. Really? So I basically dropped a whole weight class. So when I weighed in for my, my competition, I weighed 220. Yeah. And it was kind of because I had a lot of fat to lose. Or was, I was holding a lot of water weight. Your first eight pounds are going to be water. But after you lose like, you know, 20 pounds. You're like, in, well, two, in two and a half weeks. Yeah, two, you, you lose like 22 pounds. You're like, wait a second. Well, like I said, the first, like literally the first three days were like 12 pounds because yeah. it, it just all just flooded out of me, you know. And then also um, what a lot of people don't understand is like you have to be in a calorie deficit. There is no yeah. hocus pocus magic diet. The ketogenic diet doesn't offer any metabolic advantage over a regular diet. As far as we know right now, a carnivore diet doesn't really hold any metabolic advantage. The thing that it, that it does so uniquely, it offers our body every single nutrient that our body needs yeah. in more absorbable forms than you can find them in plant foods, right? Because we, we can eat all these things that are made out of plants. We don't absorb them. So oh, like, God. who cares what you're eating if you can't absorb it? Right? Were you hungry when you were doing this in the two and a half weeks? Were you um, still hungry or did you feel full or? I wasn't because I was like in such a soul, sort of like full bore attitude. that I was like, I'm going to go in this competition. I'm going to do this. And I was, and I didn't know any better. And so like now with all the information flying around and YouTube and everything, like I'll hear one thing from one expert and then I'll try it for like two days. And then the next day I'll hear like, oh, that's bullshit. I know. I hear and that all I, the time, too. And I just kind of like what go, to believe. And, that, and, and that's why it's personal experience, I feel like. Yeah, that's to your point earlier. Like, shit that works for one guy isn't going to work for the next guy, potentially. You know, yeah. so you can't. And I'll tell you, here's what I noticed on a carnivore diet. So I was talking to you before about sweeteners and different, yeah. like, sodas and different yeah. things. You know, they have these sodas with that have, like, sweeteners in them, uh, like Stevia. Like, there's a company called Zevia. And their soda's great. Like, I love it. Yeah. But I don't drink it often. And the reason I don't drink it often is, and like I was drinking a Gatorade Zero before. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, I don't really agree that this has aspartame in it, but like I was thirsty and I just wanted Gatorade over water. So I just had it this one time, but I don't normally have it. 
you know? And I think that that's like an important thing to grasp about like the carnivore diet and why it works is like, if you were to just take yourself, it's almost like think about going on a fast, but you, you can basically, you're, you're on a fast, but you can eat as much as you want. You can basically eat as much meat as you want of any kind of meat. It doesn't need to be red meat, but red meat has all the nutrients in it. So when I say nutrients, just so people understand, I'm talking about macronutrients, which is uh, protein and fat. We don't need carbohydrates. There's no, we, we do need carbohydrates. I should correct myself. There's no such thing as, a, as an essential carbohydrate that our body can't make. So our body makes glucose as needed. So if you need glucose, you can make it out of protein. You can make it, you know, yeah. and your body will make it. And I think that that's, um, that's like an important concept to grasp. Like, look, you're not missing anything. You're actually getting, you're getting more of everything in more doses that are easily, that are easy to absorb. So as you're eating like other inferior foods to steak and red meat, you're basically going away from health, not towards it. Now mm-hmm. you could go towards it so much that you have too many nutrients, but it's really hard to eat that much meat. So like as far as I've seen in any like functional human being, I've not seen people able to overeat on meat and gain because you a, get a lot of faster, body fat. Basically. I have seen people get gain weight. So I won't, I won't say like you can't gain weight on a carnivore diet. Yeah. But it's pretty hard. Uh, there's a lot of people doing it. So You're gonna gain Dr. muscle. Doctor Drew is doing it. Yeah, the, and he lost a ton of weight from what I listen. I, that's why Doctor Drew's doing it because I was on his podcast. I, I heard. That's <laughs> what I heard. I think that's where I you know, had heard it. But from, it's um, from Mike, and I, I don't think it's for everybody. Like you're in, you're in pretty good shape, but you just told me like, hey, I want to get rid of this dad, dad bod. Totally. You know? I've been doing CrossFit in Vacaville for two months. Now. So I'd say, hey, all right, Shane, cool for. Uh, for two months, we're going to do like going into summer here. We're going to hop, hop you on a carnivore diet. But I know you have kids and I know you're married. And like, I know that you, you know, yeah. like you don't want to get crazy with it. You still want to have a relationship with your family. So listen, and you can have whatever you want, like once a week. Then you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'll plan like Sunday pizza yeah. with the kids or whatever. Yeah. And I'll have that. And the re- and everything else is, is as long like, as I can do. What are the, what's the, what do they call the in and out again? The, oh, the, uh, the flying Dutchman. The flying Dutchman. Um, you, you post them on, I'm like, damn, that looks good. Dude, I want to see that. See, that's the thing is like, you got to find ways to make it sustainable. Now, a lot of people will talk to me about like factory farming and like, oh, like in and out they get their beef from blah, blah. Yeah. Do, do you know how many people go to in and out every day? A lot. Yeah. That and lines wrapped around the parking lot. And, and, I'm, and guess how many of them are going to die? All of them. <laughs> guess <laughs> how many people right. that don't yeah. go to in and out every day are going to die? All, All of them. them. Yeah. Same thing. And, the only the longest lived person in the history of the world is 126 years old. Why do we think that we're going to all of a sudden surpass that? I hear people all the time in the biohacking world talking about living to be 140 years old and yeah. 180 years old. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, why? I don't know if I'd want to live that long. It's a long time. What do you do? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. What do you do? You're like one. You're like 160, and he's still got 20 years left. It's <laughs> a lot. You know? what, what about bang energies, man? That's one thing for me that uh, well, I, I like the bangs, man. Here's, here's what was going with all this stuff with sweeteners and all these things. The more that we have them, for, first of all, bang is a, is, great, is a great energy drink and it has um, you know, caffeine and some creatine in it and yeah. some things that, you know, it's a good like little pre-workout thing. But yeah, it's got aspartame and it's got, it's got know, some, some it's got sucralose yeah. or whatever they use to sweeten it. And the I would say... The concern for me, much more than like cancer or any sort of thing that this is going to cause in your body, my main concern is that you're going to be attracted to it because it's sweet. Mm. And maybe sweet isn't something we should be associating with. There really isn't anything uh, like that's that sweet in nature. And the things that are sweet are like fruit. 
And it's like natural, naturally sweet. But we've most fruit that we we as human beings have ever eaten has been sweetened. And most well, I'd say I'd say mm. pretty much all vegetables that we eat have been manipulated and, and um not they're not GMOs, but they're definitely modified. Yeah. Um broccoli comes from kale, you know, and cauliflower it ca- comes from kale. Like these things are crossbred, cross you know, yeah. bread together. And, and so like most of the vegetables we eat are fake. They're, they're man-made. I, I should say they're not GMOs, but they're man-made. They don't, they don't exist in nature. Like broccoli doesn't just grow. Yeah. It doesn't just grow somewhere. Like, no, they, they made those seeds. They made it. So, so people think they're eating all these natural foods and all these things that are great for them, but plants have so many toxins that they send out also that rob our body of minerals. So if I eat a bunch of red meat and I, and then I go eat a bunch of greens with, I eat a bunch of spinach with it right? Spinach has what's called oxalates in it and oxalates will leach calcium out of your bones. Mm. So I just had all this red meat, got all these great nutrients. Now I have what's called an anti-nutrient pulling calcium out of my bones. I don't need that. Yeah. You know, I don't want that. Yeah. And, and well, why is that? Well, because herbivores are made to eat plants. Carnivores are made to eat meat. Uh, I believe that we, we came along as a mostly carnivorous animal. That's why we grew big, bigger brains. That's why we were smarter than, you know, other animals and things yeah. like that. And, um, but there isn't a whole lot of proof behind a lot of this stuff. So it's like, I don't get too dogmatic about it. I just go, you know what? Yeah. I think it kind of makes sense that like, but we, it's worked for you. Well, look, like, if we've been eating meat for millions of years, yeah, that's like, why, like, why change it? You know? And I know we've done the same thing with meat. Cause we'll get the arguments on the other side. Well, they've manipulated the meat. They made the meat fattier. They've done this, they've done that. Yeah. But still with, with all the things that they've done to uh, the meat, we haven't seen it affect health outcomes in the same way that we've seen it with other things. So what about like, um, so, so what, one thing that you pointed out that I really liked was that you said when you, when you make your documentaries, or at least in, in um, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, I think, you didn't necessarily have an agenda and a message to flow. That, to me, that's art. So you, you, have, you have something you're interested in, um, there's things that you're exploring. You're trying to, um, you're trying to talk to different people. And then at the end, you're going to compile all that stuff together. And, yeah. and that's, that's the art of it to me. Yeah. A lot of these other ones, some of the, they, they have a, an agenda behind them already. And so and the only reason I'm bringing this up right now is because like the meat industry, you're saying, and I'm not an expert on it, if, but I know there's some videos out there that have a specific. Yeah. And I'm not going to even. Yeah. Yeah. Know, if my, if my film comes along and you know comes out my newest film and it ends up that the result is uh hey I I did all this and I got really sick and now I'm on a vegan diet and that's that's the way to go yeah. then that's the way the movie goes that's it that's it there's no there's no two ways about it yeah when I did my movie about kratom I had a company um helping me with it helping me make you know make the movie helping fund it helping get it made the company Urbanize Organics which I'm very grateful to they're a great company um, and they, they only produce Kratom, you know, uh, tested and quality. He was tested. in the movie, right? Yeah. I forgot yeah. his name. His name's Kelly Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. And Kelly. he's the owner of Urban Ice and, and he's awesome. And we, we are, uh, still, um, working with him on some different projects and like keeping Kratom legal and yeah. all these like things that are bigger than just like selling a brand. Well, and I, and I loved what, what he was saying in there was that obviously there's issues with the FDA and the DEA that there's that side of it, but his, to his point, and I'm, I'm sure, you, you know, you guys have probably talked a lot about this before. It was more to the point of 
the community around Kratom, getting behind it yeah. and, and changing that aspect of it. And once that starts to move, the other pieces can can fall into place or grow. Yeah. I thought that was a really good point. And just so people are aware, the problems that we're talking about with Kratom are the FDA and the DEA don't like it because it's a plant. It's not standardized. Uh, you There's no like, you know, dosages that they know about. Yeah. It hasn't really been researched enough. So what I always say, I always default to is like, hey, look, I understand that this plant may not maybe it may not be perfect. I understand that there might be problems. Like there there can be people that get addicted to it, but I'll explain why in a second. But when we see something that's saving all these lives and helping all these people, like I get emails every day, I get tons of them. And yeah. out of a hundred emails I get a day, maybe one will be negative. You know, so it's like where do you of people find- sharing what they they're yeah, their experiences with it or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and so when you're like looking at it, and the ones that that are bad always make you mad, and you'll spend the most yeah. time trying to reply to them, and then like nine times out of ten, I'm like, you know, I'll just delete what I was gonna write, and yeah. I'll write, hey, sorry you feel that way, and just like yeah. move on, because I yeah. like I'll be blasting somebody out, like, hey, you don't even know what you're talking about, and yeah. then I'm like, yeah, that's not worth it. Like I, I, you know, it's like who cares? Just because they came at me rude, I don't have to come back at them rude. There's there's a comedian Mark Lundholm, and he actually really inspired me. I met him in in uh, treatment. He came in. Um, and one of his biggest sayings is first thought wrong. He would, and he would say second thought wrong. And I always remember that because that's like that initial reaction when I want to do stuff, it's a switch for me and I can go and I'll start doing that too. start writing something or saying something. Go, wait a minute. I don't even have to waste my energy on that shit. Right. Yeah. Now. Let me just move on. <laughs> yeah. Why am I wasting my energy? It's yeah. nobody even knows who this guy, like you don't even know yeah. who they are. They're just a random name on it. Yeah. And then like you Little always, troll. you click their profile and you see this uh, private account. Yeah. And you're like, why does social media even allow that? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to have an account, but it's only for me. Well, then don't show it <laughs> to anybody. Point? Don't show it to anybody. Yeah. Don't let anybody go and, you know, it's like, yeah. if it's private, then like it's private. You just have to send a request. So let, let's let uh, let's say this real quick, just for somebody out there who has never heard of Kratom, doesn't even, it's like Kratom, what the hell are they talking about? Like, what is Kratom real fast? I know you've touched yeah. on it a couple it's times. It's a plant from Southeast Asia that's mm-hmm. in the coffee family. Okay. Uh, the It's the plant is called Mitrogyna speciosa is no also known as a kratom tree or plant. Uh in Southeast Asia, they'll have like um, you know, in the backyard, maybe they have a kratom tree mm-hmm. and they'll have uh, you know, the grandmother or the mother, matriarch of the family a lot of times will go out and grab a bunch of leaves and uh throw it in a pot of boiling water and steep it and like, you know, just like making tea or whatever. Yeah. And um they'll take the uh the extract, you know, and make a tea that the family will drink all day huh. and just feel good. Yeah. Everybody feels happy. So the re- real reason why they started using it over in Thailand and Southeast Asia and stuff like that <laughs> is because um, people were out working in the fields mm. and they would go out and they'd work eight hours in the fields and they'd, they'd be beat afterwards. They'd be like, you know, I'm I'm done. I can't do anything. They would take crate. They would chew on raw kratom leaves and they'd work 12, 15 hours, not even notice it. Really, And then um, what's really interesting is like some of the studies that were done back then, because people think that the studies are like, oh, if you look at the studies, it causes your skin to darken. Well, no, it doesn't cause your skin to darken. It's these people are out in the fields for like 15 hours a day in the hot, blazing, <laughs> got a tan. Ni- yeah, 90 degrees sun of uh, 95 degrees every day in Thailand. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if it shit. caused their skin to darken or if it just, if they just got a tan because they were out longer, right? So yeah. there's a lot of like, misrepresentation around Kratom. There's so the other thing is like they sell it in head shops. Yeah. And it's like when is the last time, especially as a, you know, 
sober guy. Yeah. When was the last time you walked into a head shop? Yeah, it's been a long time. No reason to go in there. So since there's no reason to go in there, as a clean guy, you're, you know, you're going to feel bad going in there. And um, and secondly, like it all has a stigma. So if you're the sober guy and you walk and you see, well, hey, bro, like you don't know much about it. Somebody comes into a meeting, they're taking Kratom and they're like, you know, young kid and they're trying to take it to help me. You're probably going to be like, hey, man, like, I don't know. Like that doesn't sound good. Yeah. It doesn't sound like something that, you know, you should be taking because you don't understand it. Yeah. And I think like once you understand it, it's a, it's a different level. To me, I think the important thing. So I'll explain exactly the reason I, I took it. I got sober and I was still in a lot of pain. Hmm. To me, it makes sense. It's safer than Advil, yeah. safer than Tylenol. We have a lot of deaths, 1,600 deaths uh, every year associated with, with you know, Tylenol, Advil, yeah. things like that. Uh, with Kratom, nobody's actually ever died from it. The FDA had come up with this list of like 91 deaths. They're all polypharmacy they all include other drugs. There's actually like one or two that don't. And the one or one or two that don't are interesting. Cause I, you know, look, I'll accept it if there's a death from Kratom. I'll be the first one to be like, yeah, there was a death. There's one one case that I'm a little suspect of though, because I don't consider it dying from Kratom because it could have been cinnamon. It could have been, you know, they, they did that cinnamon challenge oh, on the internet. Right. And like people yeah. have died from that or people got really sick from it. So the same thing kind of happened with Kratom is like Kratom is not water soluble. It's fat soluble. Yeah. So if you just dump it in your mouth, it's going to be like dumping sand in your mouth. It's not going to like dissolve or anything. It's not yeah. going to go anywhere. It's just going to sit there and be all dry and gross. You can't even swallow. It's probably really no. tough too. Yeah. And that's why they did that cinnamon challenge. People get these big blobs of yeah. cinnamon, they, you know, and they would throw up and everything. And basically the guy was doing what they call toss and wash with Kratom. So a lot of Kratom comes in capsules, uh -huh. but it also comes in like powder. And what I find interesting is that addicts like the powder. <laughs> I don't know why, but former addicts like the powder. Yeah. Normal, most normal people have never been addicted to drugs or had any problem. They'll just take the capsules. Yeah. But for some reason, addicts like taking the powder and putting in, you know, a lot of Kratom. You know, they'll, they'll use, they'll they'll, use what it. What do they put it in? Like, uh, usually, water usually water, but people are, yeah. people are dumb. I keep telling people like, Hey, look, put it in milk or coconut milk and it'll dissolve right away because it's oh, fat soluble. God. So I put it in something with, or a coffee with cream in it. Put yeah. it, put it like a scoop. Like you only need like one scoop of it. People take way too much of it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with it. And that's like the education that needs to come about because, um, if I can explain it really quick, there's two alkaloids in Kratom that are really powerful. There's, um, there's a seven hydroxymetragenine and there's another one called, uh, just called metragenine. The seven hydroxymetragenine is just a byproduct of the drying process. So when they take the leaves and they dry them, it creates this alkaloid. Okay. That alkaloid is highly addictive, but it's such a small amount in the plant that you basically have to take so much of the plant that it's, it's almost like, like I was saying, it's like almost, almost like eating too much meat. It's kind of hard to. But Got people it. people seem to manage to, because people definitely develop dependencies on it. Yeah, people definitely like every time I say, you know, hey man, uh, you're you're writing me saying that you're addicted to kratom and you want to know how to get off of it or whatever. But you're like, how much are you taking? Yeah, and it always comes back twenty or thirty grams. Really? And I said, well, you know, I take five grams and I'm in a lot of pain. I I know I'm in more pain than you. Yeah, like I know it. So they're way overdoing it. Yeah, I'll take like I'll take like five five maybe. 10 grams tops in a day and they're taking double, triple that, you know? And so like, that's to me, that's just, so what about so for, for, for someone but even, like even addiction, I should just say, even the, the withdrawal symptoms, when you get off of Kratom, 
should really be no greater than coffee, than the withdrawal symptoms you get from coffee. Got it. Well, so in, what I was going to say, so I had a, a rotator cuff underneath surgery in my early 20s for playing baseball, right? Sure. I played baseball all, as a kid growing up through high school, tore that, jacked it all up. So like, for instance, I mentioned going back into CrossFit in the last two months, right? A lot of the overhead stuff, my my mobility, like I can't get my my arms back. And a lot of it is, you know, continuing to be able to stretch and, and work that stuff out too, but I still get pain in that. Mm-hmm. If I took five... Um, grams of kratom would that help with pain for something like? And I'm just using this as yeah. an example so for somebody. It's 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 hard to, it's hard to say because it's going to be like subjective for each injury and whatever. Yeah. But for the most part, most most likely it would help you. Yeah. It would make you feel better. Um, I don't know if it would get rid of your shoulder pain, but it would definitely dampen it. What it really works good on the way I feel like it's just amazing for is if you have that like deep achy pain, Got and it. that's what I have. I have arthritis. And so it's like this deep aching pain. And I take that and it all goes away. But I also get brain fog. I also get, you know, where where I'm, you know, sometimes like I'm just cloudy in my head. Like I'm not focused, whatever. And it really helps with focus. And it really helps, you know, define. So for me, what I find really interesting is like my whole transformation of lifting, training, carnivore diet, all these things came about because of Kratom. And so I can't really say like, hey, look, Kratom will help you uh, lose weight. Um, Kratom will help you lose weight, but it's – I forgot what I was going to say because my dad just handed – Yeah, yeah, he just came in and handed me a note. I I was going to tell you what one of my favorite parts in uh, Leaf of Faith was uh, your dad's hat. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Make America Great hat. Yeah, I loved it. So the the, (laughs) – yeah, our family takes a lot of heat for that, you know. Uh, really? Well, my dad is a big Trump supporter. Yeah. And um, he just often takes a lot of heat for it. My brother just went and met with Donald Trump Jr. in New York, really? who's a big fan of Marx, which is funny. Really? And, um, you know, Marx, like, the guy's a fan of mine. What am I going to tell Dude. the president's son? Yeah. No. Like, yeah. no, I'm going to go visit him. I'm going yeah. to support it. And so, like, yeah, it's just kind of, <laughs> that's kind of a funny aside, especially living in California. Oh, yeah. Uh, I... I just don't even share my thoughts on it. Yeah. You know, I try to do like, the same thing too. I don't necessarily feel the same way that they do, but I also, I also don't have hate in my heart for anybody. I think that we, we, in, in this country, we should have a freedom of choice and a freedom of opinion. And regardless, if we disagree on something, we respect that. And it's gotten to a point where you can't even do that anymore. It seems like at least on that topic. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a fan of that either. <laughs> I would say that people, like I would get, more upset with somebody that was like trying to argue with me about a vegan diet being healthy. I'd be way <laughs> more mad at that. Because, well, yeah, like I'd be way, yeah. way, way more mad at that because I get in those conversations every every yeah. day. Oh, you know? I'm sure. And yeah. What is that? What do you get? What do you hear from that? Well, like, people yeah. say you're gonna die from you're gonna your cholesterol is gonna yeah. go crazy. This is gonna happen. My good cholesterol is jacked up. It's like ninety. It's really? like so high. My good, my HDL, yeah. my LDL is like around 150, which a lot of people say, oh, that's so high, whatever. That's not even really that high. It's 150, but my triglycerides are like, you know, 70, 82. Yeah. And so when your triglycerides are low and your HDL is high, you're good for the most part. Your back is balanced. You, but, but like blood, blood work doesn't also like <clears throat> blood work. Pe- people are so blinded by the fact that they think blood work is going to tell you if you're going to have a heart attack or not. It's just an indicator that maybe there might be something going on. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to get that or not get that. Like, yeah. and so it's it's good to follow the science. It's good to like look at the blood work and be concerned if there's a lot of things out of range and out of whack. But it's also not like 
it's also a snapshot in time. It's not set in stone. Sure. So we, we get a lot of arguments about that. We get a lot of arguments like, hey, the saturated fat's going to kill you. It's like, look, the FDA is taking cholesterol off of its list of things to be concerned about. Why are you still concerned about it? Yeah. And they're like, well, because the FDA is wrong. You know, it's like- See, and it's almost, it's almost like there's this, it's a confusing thing because you mentioned it earlier. It's constant. You hear one thing one day and then you hear a completely different thing the next day and you never know- um, I guess that's to your own experience, right? I can only share with somebody my own experience, whether it's diet, recovery. I mean, what's worked yeah. for me, you know? Yeah, you can't share something you haven't been through. It, it, totally, yeah. And that, like, that's something that I think is uh, interesting too because like when I was in- uh, Are you I, good on time, by the way, too, or do you need to- Yeah, no, okay. in a little bit. But, okay, you know, cool. yeah. um, when I went to- um, uh, When I went to rehab, we had a guy who was one of our counselors that was never an addict and mm. just nobody listened to him. <laughs> People made fun. I, I was nice to him because yeah. I was like, this guy went to school for this. Yeah. You know, you know, he's just whatever. It's hard to but relate. He wasn't an addict and people like he got made fun of so yeah. bad. Like I've never seen anything like it. Really? And um, yeah, there was just times where I was like, I would get mad because like, dude, I, I would get mad at the kids in recovery with me because I was like, you guys don't want to get better. Yeah. You're sitting here. All you can do is sit here and talk shit about the guy trying to help us. Rather than just just listen to him, let him go through his his shit. Yeah. And if you think it's bullshit, just don't listen. Who cares? Like, but you're making it worse for everybody else by you know making jokes or trying to be funny, and you're not funny. So it's yeah. like you know, just shut. Did up. you do 30, 30 days? Ninety. Ninety. Yeah, I think um, I think time is important. Yeah, I think that um, you know we we've seen this on a on a keto and carnivore diet where people go on it for like. 30 days and they get all excited and they're t- tell it to all their friends. And then yeah. 31 days in they're done, you know, and it's like, that's it. And so I think if you carry something through for over, you know, I think they say it takes like 66 days and that's probably just a random you yeah. know, number that, but you could, you could gain a lot of weight to this is from what I've heard on the keto. If you're not following it to a T, right. I mean, if you're kind of, well, see, I would, ar- I would argue like, that. Cause I would say, well, you're not on a keto diet then. Because you're not doing it. You're anyways. not doing it right. Yeah. You know, like so. the The problem with the here's the here's the problem with a ketogenic diet is that you can do it wrong. The yeah. problem with a vegan diet is you can do it wrong. The great thing about a carnivore diet, you cannot mess it up. Just meat. Well, if I even get more specific and say red meat and water, yeah. and I say how much, I'd be like eat as much as you want, eat as much as you can. Just don't do it. You know, you, you, what happens is, and why I say eat as much as you can, people be like, oh, you can't do that. You'll gain weight. Listen, eat as much as you can in the beginning. And what happens is your body just starts getting used to how much meat you need hmm. and how much meat you don't need. Yeah. yeah. That's all that's there it. is. That's all there is to it. And your body gets used to it and it starts figuring it out. And, it's, and then you start providing yourself with the right amounts and then you start getting leaner. Yeah. And if you're not, then you just go, okay, well, I'm just going to portion control a little bit. Yeah. Um, I probably should have done this at the beginning of the of the uh, show, but I'm going to do it now real quick. So I wanted to, I wanted to mention... Um, you know, I'd reached out to you a, a few months ago, I think before we did the first show down in, in LA, um, that's originally where I think I'd heard the first podcast was with Dr. Drew and Mike on Swole Patrol. Yeah. Yeah. Swole Patrol. Um, and so I said, man, I, I really love this. I reached out to you. We never ended up connecting. Some time went through. I kind of forgot about it. And then I get this email like two weeks ago, right? And here's what the email said. It's from a guy named Paul. And he says, Hey, I'm sure you've touched on this in, in, in an episode. 
But I wanted to know your thoughts on Kratom. I'm a recovering alcoholic. When I first got sober, I used Kratom as kind of replacement until I realized that all I, all I was doing was switching addictions. But then I read how it truly does help with opioid addictions and it's safer than methadone. So I was just wondering your thoughts and if there's a specific episode that discusses it, well, Paul, here you go. We're discussing it. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I just wanted I wanted to, uh, what to was mention his, that. What was the methadone part of it? Uh, he said, uh, I just read about how it truly does help with opioid addictions, and it's safer than methadone. Yeah, so safer than methadone. If you look at, um, there is a thing online. It's on YouTube. It's Dr. Chris McCurdy, which is M-C-C-U-R-D-Y. He's out of the University of Florida. And he's actually, I think, over in Thailand Hmm. giving a speech. But he doesn't give a whole lot of speeches. So there's like a 50-minute interview like um, on YouTube. It's it's 50 minutes. It's with Dr. McCurdy. I think if if they just look it up, they'll be able to find it. I can maybe send you a link to it and you can include it in the show notes or whatever. But um, basically this thing that Dr. McCurdy did is like they did a study putting up, putting um, Kratom up against methadone and up against um, Suboxone Mm. and I think Narcan to see like uh, how fast it would mitigate the withdrawal effects and how fast it would work, you know. And um, basically it came out like it came out the same. Really? But a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a a lot of benefits to it. A lot safer, a lot cheaper, natural. You know, um, I also don't think that just because something's natural means it's safe, but I do think that it gives it a lot more credibility towards being safe. Yeah. Uh, nobody like nobody's really trying to cover up or hide something in something that's natural. Whereas like with a lot of these drugs, they, they know like, yeah, we know it kind of gives people heart attacks, but we're just going to like leave that out of the literature. Yeah, we're going to talk about it that. It doesn't really ha- like that doesn't really happen with plants. <clears throat> One of my other. You know, I, as far as I've seen, I mean, it could. One of my other buddies, Sean, Sean B., um, he, he was actually the first one who I had heard of the word Kratom, like probably a, a year ago, maybe. And I said, what the hell is that? But he, he wanted to know, uh, what, uh, he had three questions here, which is kind of funny. And Sean's off the hook, man. I love the dude. Um, remember we were talking about those guys we know that like are really smart, but they're just kind of fucking weird and crazy. Yeah. Sean's it, totally one of these dudes. He said, what other natural herbs or remedies has Chris become aware of or into? If he could pick any superpower, uh, what would it be and what's your shoe size? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, <clears throat> any other natural herbs or remedies? Yeah. There's, well, I think a carnivore diet's a remedy for pain. Mm. So that's another thing I wanted to touch on that we didn't, yeah. we didn't get. There's just too much know, to talk there, about. There it's is, like, I, it's, we're, it's and crazy. we're already an hour and 20 minutes yeah. in, and I, I, I feel the it's same. It's crazy. Way. Well, we could do yeah. it again too. Yeah. But, um, I think so carnivore diet, ketogenic and carnivore diets, both of them can really reduce inflammation. Mm. Um, inflammation is part of every disease. It's it's at the core of every disease, at the center of every disease. If you look at um, cancer, inflammation's there. You know, yeah. you look at anything, any anytime you're in pain, there's, a, there's usually inflammation with it, right? And so by uh, eating, eating in this way, um, meat doesn't cause us to hold water. Mm. It doesn't cause our joints to inflame. Whereas like a lot of these grains and other other foods cause inflammation, yeah. especially seed oils. One of the number one, so, so this is really interesting, but like back in like the 50s, I think seed oil was maybe like, it would be like 0.5% of the human diet, like would be mm. from like vegetable and seed oils, like canola oil, corn oil, yeah. whatever. That's that's now up to 8% of the, really? of the diet. It's like 8% of the American diet is just vegetable oil. 
which is so inflammatory and so bad for you. And that's what shreds our arteries. So people think that animal fat shreds the arteries. You're completely wrong. Really? It's these industrial seed oils. You can't even call them vegetable oil because vegetable oil is a cute name that some brilliant scientist came up with to make it sound like it's healthy. Yeah. So they call it vegetable oil. Because <laughs> if I told play. you like, hey, Shane, you want some industrial seed oil? You'd be like, nah, yeah. I'm good. You know. But that's what it is. It's huh. industrial grade seed oil. And it's like, it's really, really inflammatory. Yeah. And it's really, it's shredding people's arteries. And then our cholesterol that we eat from the meat goes in and actually patches up these, um, these shreds, the oil. these shreds from our, yeah. So like, say your artery is shredded and then you go in with like some rubber cement and spread it over that. That's what cholesterol is like. Cholesterol oh. is actually trying to heal you. Really? It's trying to help you. There's cholesterol in every single cell in our body. So why would we try to get rid of cholesterol? Yeah. It's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and the oil and, is in everything too, and right? And people it's with higher stuff. cholesterol levels, this is like ironic. So another way the food industry, the whole world, doctors, medical industry is so backwards. is like we've done studies that conclude that the people with higher cholesterol levels, especially women, live longer. Mm. Why are we worried that our people's cholesterol is too high? Yeah. doesn't make it sense. It doesn't seem to make sense. It seems more like we should be looking at the things like the inflammation and these other things. So while a, a carnivore diet by just eating eating meat, not eating any sort of diet where you completely cut carbs is going to cut inflammation. Well, you said joint pain too, but, right? Yeah, joint joint pain has been the the increase. So if you look, if you go back and look, you know, I think like a year ago, I think the most I could uh, deadlift was maybe like four hundred and something pounds, you know. Um, and then I did a, I did a competition, you know, like six months ago, I did like a 530 pound deadlift, but then I just did a um, trap bar deadlift, which is like a little bit different kind of bar. Yeah. Um, and I did a 700 pound trap bar Damn. deadlift. And so like to watch That's the legit. weights go up like that and not be on steroids and yeah. not be taking performance enhancing drugs and just be on meat. And that's like, that's what I'm doing. To me, that's pretty incredible. It is. You know, and, and it, I don't say that it like, hey, meat holds any magical powers. Cause the other thing I think that people should, should know and be very aware of is that weight loss in general, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. They always say, right? Yeah. Which is a weird saying, by the way. It is kind of gross. It is. But, um, <laughs> but there, there, you know, it's like people say that all the time, but there's a lot of ways to lose weight. The most of them are effective as long as you're in a calorie deficit, yeah. but a calorie deficit's so hard when you're eating hostess cherry pies. Why? They're addictive. Yeah. So you don't just eat one. You just told me before you eat two. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And so, Why not? and so like if you just ate one and it was once, once every month or something, it probably wouldn't, wouldn't do much to you at all. Yeah. It'd be like you, you wouldn't think, I think people don't think of their calories over the course of uh, they, they don't think of it, they think of it at, in the course of a day, but not in the course of a week and a year. And if you think of your mm -hmm. calories in the, in the course of a year and you were like to add it up, you'd be shocked at how many calories you would, you would be saving by going on like some, one of these diets. What, what's normal calorie base for you or for just a, a grown man or a grown woman? It's, it's going to change everybody. Everybody's metabolic rate is, is, is going to be different. Mine is like around 3,500. Like I can eat around 3,500 calories a day and, you know, still lose weight. The problem is I hate counting calories, so I yeah. never actually do it. So I don't know how many calories, like if I'm losing weight, I just, I know I feel better, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't count anything just because I, I don't like doing it. 
Uh, so, I, so my, my wife, they just, um, she, she was doing very simple, a shake, you know, she had her little lunch thing and then she went and she got, she did her body weight. They're doing a weight loss challenge at the, um, uh, gym, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Vacaville. And, um, so she, she jumped in on it and then she went to get her, the, the body machine that scans your body yeah. fat and all that stuff. Right. And they gave her a meal plan and they did a really, they were a very thorough job on the meal plan, everything, you know, grammed out this many grams of fat, this many grams of protein, but you need to eat six times a day. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's almost, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's, it's almost like it's too much. It's, it's really more hard to follow for her, especially and me too. I tried it before. A lot of these diets and a lot of these kind of bodybuilding diets and physique changing diets, they're trying to stoke your metabolism. They're trying to get you to eat a little bit of food, be really hungry, make it to the next meal. But you're really at an advantage, especially for somebody like you, and especially in this situation that you're in, yeah. um, being in recovery and everything. I think I think that like intermittent fasting with some sort of carnivore, low carb, or ketogenic diet is like that's that's where it's at. Really, I think that's where yeah. all the research is heading and where everything's going. Because what you're doing is like think about this: we just eat all the time. Yeah. And we never really have time to like let our bodies digest. And then we go to sleep, we wake up, we eat again. But what if you just tacked on like two hours before you went to bed, you sleep for eight hours. Mm-hmm. So you're up to 10. And then two hours after you wake up, now you're at 12. You basically fasted half the day. Yeah. Right. You fasted half the day. Imagine if you add that up over the course of your life and you mm-hmm. said, I only eat, I, I, I think it's more, the number is more like 16. I think even getting like 16 hour fast a day, you'll just get shredded. Yeah. Like you're already lean. So like you would get really lean, even if you weren't on a carnivore diet, like even if you weren't restricted, because it would restrict your calories automatically. Think of those things. And then think about like, how do I, okay, restrict, restrict my calories automatically, but I'm going to be starving. No, you're not because we're going to change your foods up. We're going to give you like eggs and avocado for breakfast instead of like what you normally eat. You know, and you're not yeah. going to be hungry because you're not, when you carbs beget carbs, that's like all there is to it. So I get up in the morning and I eat a piece of toast. I'm going to want a piece of toast in an hour yeah. because carbs, like they make you hungry. Yeah, you're still hungry. I don't care who you are. Like, I don't think anybody's immune to it. And the more refined and processed the carbs are, the more we want them. So bread at all, just bread. I mean, that's bread's like the enemy, right? Pretty in a sense. I don't like to make any food <laughs> to be out to be the bad guy or the enemy. I don't. But like, too much of it. Then I don't maybe. like scaring people in, yeah. into like anything. Um, but I don't eat it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, I guess that's the way I like to frame things to sure. people is like, hey man, like I've, I had an ex-girlfriend who could walk into a bikini competition any day and blow everybody away. She never worked out. She ate French toast sticks and bagels, <laughs> like the worst <laughs> diet ever. Yeah. And she looked amazing. Genetics. Maybe. So I'm like, hey, so, you know yeah. what? I don't think that you should eat that. Like, what 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 level of anything do I have? Like, yeah. how can I say that when now, given when she's 60 years old, she'll probably be falling apart because of all the, the bad things that yeah. and that's that's the calamity that we're coming up against is that um you and I might have smoked and drank, you know, but we did it for a short period of time. These people are insulting their body every single day with every single thing they put in their mouth. Mm. And once you become what's called insulin resistant, it means that you're not using your fat storage hormone insulin properly. It means that you start storing everything as fat. Yeah. So the story of the, of the mom who only eats a thousand calories a day, like my mom who's next door, she doesn't eat a lot of food, but she's become insulin resistant 
and now it's hard for her to lose weight. So what we did yeah. is we put her on a keto diet and she did that for a while. She got keto, what's called keto adapted. Uh -huh. And you switch over from burning, uh, for burning carbohydrates for fuel to burning fat for fuel. Actually, Joe Rogan was just talking about God, this God. on his podcast yesterday. The people that burn sugar for their fuel, it's like 90% of the people in America, they're always hungry. Yeah. They're starving all that. Why do you think kids are hungry all the time? They eat so many carbs, huh. right? So like, if you're, it's just like, look, I think if you were to tell people, Shane, I'll tell you this for a fact, if you were to do like intermittent fasting, like 16 hours a day, mm -hmm. And look at it like sobriety. Yeah. You know, but it's a sobriety that like happens every day. So it's like, look at it as a sobriety. Like, I can't eat during this time. Well, you can't drink during that time either because you're not allowed to drink anymore. Yeah. You're not allowed to use, use drugs anymore either. The way I look at it is like, well, what's food? It's the same thing. It's a pleasure seeking thing. It is. So let's yeah. turn it into not a pleasure seeking thing. Let's just turn it into food. Let's turn it into as a tool to get me to the next day. What about coffee during that fasting time? You can have a cup of coffee in the morning. That's Look, bro, still coffee's I mean, coffee's addictive, man. I don't know. It, yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it is I, too. I think coffee, I some coffee is one of the most interesting things on the planet. It's like, man, we have come up with this fuel that basically the whole world is hooked on and nobody can see past it. And I think that's like one of our big problems. Like if you can't like, okay, if I came in with, I don't know, a billion dollars and a product like Kratom, mm -hmm. I could make this just as big as coffee. Mm. It's going to take a while. It's going to take some products. It's going to take, but I'm telling you, I know the way that this makes people feel. Yeah. It makes feel way better than coffee. Yeah. It's just about designing the drink that tastes good. The but it's thing not that like everybody a, you, wants. You described it though. It's not like a high though, right? It's more. Just I think like it feels like a runner's coffee. high. It feels like, like it feels like it feels, it feels euphoric. It feels yeah. like a workout. It feels huh. like more like that. But you know, I, you'll get different people describing it different ways. Just like everything else, AA and every sobriety place that you go to, like any any sort of rehab you go to, they're gonna have a different definition of what sober is. Sure. So some people I know people who are sober that smoke weed every day. Now, other people might not consider them sober, but I do because I say, well, they they did the work they needed to do for them and they're doing good and it's not affecting their life. Yeah. I don't really go, I personally don't judge people. I try not to judge anybody. Sure. But I try to judge people by the rules I would want to be judged by. Yeah. And the rules I want to be judged by is like, okay, Chris Bell used to do these things and XYZ was bad for him. He discontinued X, Y, and Z and no longer is doing those things. But now he's doing this other thing over here. Yeah. Well, he never had a problem with that other thing, so I don't care. Um, I would maybe, as a friend, be like, hey, bud, you know, you had a problem over here. Maybe you should think about over here. And that's yeah. okay. But I wouldn't, it's not judging. That's just, that's just like being, cons different. being concerned for a friend maybe or saying like, hey, maybe, maybe you should think this through. And if the friend says back to me, I did think it through. I, I, I made a documentary about it. I'd say, yeah. oh, okay. Like, I guess you know what you're talking <laughs> about. And I mean, that's the, that's the level of detail that I go into yeah. on these things, you know? So we're making a movie now about a ketogenic carnivore diet, basically. Uh, we don't even know what it is yet because like you said, we didn't start with an agenda. We just started, I started I out, I was that. like, I'm too fat. I need to lose weight. I got to get, get this off of me. And the, the only, the only thing I knew about that I had done in the past was ketogenic diets. I'd done them my whole life. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I, I've tried this before and whatever. And you know what's funny is like we were talking about doing it wrong before. Mm -hmm. I was doing it wrong the whole time. 
the keto diet. Yeah, I kept doing it wrong. I kept eating way too much fat. Yeah. I kept not eating enough protein. I kept, you know, all these different things. And that's what made you gain the, the weight. The beauty of a car, yeah. And the yeah. beauty of, well, what what kept me gaining the weight is I had this mentality I think everybody has. And that's why I'm careful about cheat days. I used to cheat a lot. And I think cheating's just bullshit on a diet. Yeah. It's like, um, you're not allowed to cheat on your wife. You know, you're not allowed to cheat on your sobriety. Why can you cheat on your diet? And it's yeah. totally fine. Oh, because I'm just human. What if I was like, yo, Shane, you know what? Yeah. I Look, I know we're both sober and we just had a beer together. Let's just yeah. like, forget about it. It's a cheat it. day. Yeah, yeah, it's it. a cheat day, man. Like, it's like, or like, it um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, where people hear this podcast and then they see me, me and you out at a bar and we're hammered and we're high. And we're like, yeah, bro, it's our cheat day. Don't worry about it. Like, think I'll be about, sober tomorrow, bro. Yeah. And think about that. That'd be think terrible. Of, and, and so I actually, what, what I'm doing even with this movie, trying to do it in a way that's like a little bit more subtle probably. Um, and maybe it won't be subtle. Maybe there's no reason for it to be subtle. But I actually want to develop kind of a step system for people getting out of uh, being depressed, being fat, nice. being in pain. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. You know, and when I say yeah. being fat, I don't mean to fat shame people. I mean, people don't like it. Sure. Like yeah. people, people know that they're overweight. And well, and when they say that they're happy, like I'm, I'm really happy with them. like, no, come on, bro. Yeah. Like I, I know that there are very few select few people that can walk around with their shirt off and be, you know, 300 pounds overweight and hairy and not yeah. have a problem with it. But for the most part, people are going to be self-conscious about it. Well, I think like you, you, there's a physical aspect to it. And then, like you said, the depression, the emotional aspect that ties into that is not a fun way to live. And Mark and I always talk about fat being a mindset. Yeah. Like sometimes you'll say like, oh, that's, that's so fat. You don't actually mean it literally. You mean it like that mindset is broken. Yeah. That Jumped mindset's, up. yeah, like a somebody that's, yeah. that's you know. What about your superpower? Oh, my. your superpower? Yeah. I, I usually say teleporting because, uh, oh, but I don't live fun. in LA anymore. Like or right no now, traffic. I don't live in LA, so yeah, yeah, teleporting wouldn't be as useful in Sacramento because you don't really need it as much. Yeah. Um. The other thing, oh man, superpowers are tough because, like, what would you do with a suit? Like, okay, you and I trying to be sober, trying to make the world a better place. What could we do? I mean, I don't know. I mean, is healing people a superpower? Sure. But see, like, I think that that would then make me more of like a deity, like a God. And then mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be looked at as that. Yeah. I, I don't want to see myself. Maybe my superpower would be if I could just go tap somebody on the back and they can get out of pain, even if it doesn't help me. Mm. Just knowing that I could do that and just lay my hands on them. Yeah. And maybe say a little prayer or something. And Healing. They're, they're done. That'd be good. And, they, and you could heal somebody like Wolverine. Yeah. But I don't good. want to heal myself. I want to help other people. Yeah. Because I feel like that's, that's like what that's what we owe back, and that's what we were that's saying. That's the twelfth step. If we could take, if we could take those people, those loved ones we have, friends, family, that would be an amazing superpower. Yeah. Hey, Dad, how you doing? I'm just. Yeah, you're you're good. Or even just <laughs> like, even if like, what if you could just even reduce their afflictions by fifty percent? That'd be amazing. Or something, just like take the stress. Like, hey, look, and go. And, and yeah. it's like, and maybe you only get like one a day. Yeah, that's it. So you got to be careful who you spend it on. Or maybe it's only like one a, one a month. And what like, about if you could just get people out of their own head? So let me get you out of your own head. Right Man, now. if you could do that, you, be, 
See, like all these, see all these things though, what superpower, maybe his question should be modified. What mm. superpower would you have and how would you avoid abusing it? Because I think that that's the problem, right? Like <laughs> it's like addiction. Well, we just, it's addiction, yeah, it right? Is. Like if I, if I gave you a superpower, what would it be? Yeah. I, I don't know. Anything. Like, it's I'd like, want to, I'd want to surf too. That's one of my big things that I still have, haven't accomplished. The, yet. the worst superpower to have would be like, the ability to uh, drink or take pills and not get, not get messed up. <laughs> not from have it. to go to rehab. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be, yeah, it'd be, yeah. Ter- it'd be terrible. It, it, I, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't last long. It could be fun, but you know where those, the, those things always lead. Always. You know? Yep. Yeah, man. What are we at, dude? One. Yeah, man, that's good, man. What time is it? Six o'clock, dude. This has been good stuff, bro. I've really enjoyed this, man, and I appreciate it. Well, look, you know? yeah, we we can um we can do so a couple more questions or whatever if you want to talk about some more stuff. But I I do feel like that there'll be another meeting coming up. I, that'd be awesome, bro. Yeah, I would love that, dude. Because there, there's so much stuff, and I think there um you know there's a lot of good topics, and especially with our audience, there's a lot of people who are either in recovery already. There's a lot of people who are really trying to find something that works for them, and that's that's why. I always love having different perspectives and different guests and different programs because not one thing doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And I always try to keep that platform open for people. I, I also like, I would just like to ask your uh, listeners if they don't know who I am and they haven't heard me before. And if they don't think I'm an idiot by now, I'm actually a really nice, funny guy. So absolutely, if you, bro. if you could go uh, watch my films on um, bigger, stronger, fasters on Hulu, um, our Netflix deal ended and it's over on Hulu, but it's also on iTunes. It's also on Amazon prime. Yep. And I think prescription thugs, you can watch on Amazon prime and yep. Netflix. A leaf of faith is on Netflix. Netflix. Right. Uh, trophy kids a little harder to find. That's on HBO go. It's not, yeah, not I haven't even, seen that one yet. Yeah. It's a weird, it, it ended up clips in this, of it. It's, it it's, things end up in these weird spaces. And I was doing that. That's something I should definitely bring up though. I was making uh, trophy kids with Peter Berg who did Friday night lights. <laughs> Oh, and there's really? two people that really helped me with my sobriety. One of them just walked in here. It was my dad, who was my, you know, one of yeah. my heroes. And um, my dad called me one day. He's never yelled at me once in my life, except for like yelling. I would say my dad's never yelled at me individually. Mm-hmm. It's always been like, you kids are a pain in the ass. You know, like, something <laughs> like that. Like, cause there was three yeah. boys and we were always killing each other. Yeah. So it was always like, we'd get yelled at Madness. in the group, but never like, and, and never since I was an adult, but he got frustrated over something. I think it was like, I had no money. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like 40, you know, 40 years old. I got no money. Like I'm calling my parents, ask them for money. And yeah. my dad was just so frustrated. He goes, I don't know what's wrong with you. We keep trying to help you. We keep trying to do it. He's like, you're like a drug addict or an alcoholic or there's something going on. And I know because you're, mm-hmm. I dealt with this with your brother. Yeah. You can't hide it from me. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, he knows. Like I, I like was so. to the gut, huh? Oh God, I'm going to cry just yeah. talking about it. I was so embarrassed. I felt so bad because I was saying like, there's always those people in your life that can make you do anything. Yep. There's somebody in your life right now that can say, Shane, I need you to stop this. And it can be your worst vice, but maybe that's your wife, probably your wife, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe one of your kids. Yep. Like when your kid said, dad, can you please not oh, yeah. smoke cigars anymore? Or whatever, whatever it is that might afflict you, right? That you think is like, you know, gonna end your life earlier, be bad for you. There's always that one person. For me, it's my dad. And then also uh, Peter Berg is a, you know, he's an A-list director. Yeah. He did Friday Night Lights. It was like Huge. one of my favorite TV shows ever. He did stuff that really connected with me, you know, and, and um, he came up to me in the gym one day a long time ago after I did Bigger, Stronger, Faster, punches me in the arm as hard as he can, like, boom, blast me. I go, he's like, what's up, Bell? I'm like, I don't even know you. <laughs> yeah. 
He goes, yeah, you do. I'm Pete Berg. How you doing? <laughs> oh, shit. And I'm like, well, I, I know who you are, but I, like, you just yeah. blasted me. And he's like, ah, you could take tough. You're a big kid. You could take tough of that. He goes, listen, man, I watched your, uh, your steroid movie. I thought it was incredible. He's wow. like, you're so talented, man. Like, you're awesome. So we just started talking. He's like, well, what else you got? And I, I started going through some other ideas. And I had this idea for this movie. It was like a Mexican wrestling superhero movie. And he was like, this is amazing. He's like, my son is really in like these Mexican wrestlers. Yeah. And, he's got all these. and so we went in and pitched him uh, a movie to do, you know, and his exact words for me was like, either this movie makes a billion dollars or it just never gets made. He's <laughs> like, there, there's no in between with it. Yeah. It's so crazy and out there, but it's so awesome. I, I love it. So, so far it hasn't gotten made. <laughs> he went and did Battleship after that, which is like, I think when we were pitching him, I think he probably would rather have done this movie, this Mexican Now, when he looks back on it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe not. But um, but what was really cool was it got me in the door with him. Yeah. And then we were talking and he's like, uh, what happened was like after that meeting, I said, you know what? On the way out the door, this reminds me of like Sylvester Stallone's story with Rocky. It was like on the way out the door, he's like, by the way, I got a script you guys should read. Huh. And that's kind of how I was like, Oh, by the way, I know your your kid is really into sports and that you're around it a lot. I'm doing a documentary about crazy sports parents. And he's like, turn around, come back. What? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And I said, well, I, fil I filmed some stuff and blah, blah. He's like, do you have any the footage? I got some of it on my phone. And right. I showed him a little two-minute thing that I had cut together of like these crazy parents talking to my friend Leland, who's the basketball coach. Oh, yeah. And he was like, this is insane. And it was great because uh, the, the what I showed him was like a clip and it was Leland and he was on the phone with the, with this mom. And she was like, I don't know what to do with him, Leland. I, I don't know. I got to put some more weight on him. And and she's like, do you think I should hold him back? And Leland's like, hold him back? What do you mean? Like in school? She's like, I was thinking of keeping him back this year so he can get another year playing in and he can redshirt. And she, Leland's like, he's not even in ninth grade yet. He's only like... <laughs> 10 years, you know, like yeah. 12 years old or whatever. Like it, it's so crazy. And yeah. and it's like the mother's like fattening up the cow for the slaughter, it sounds like, Damn. you know? And you're like, man, that's so, so now, wild. That was one of the clips I saw was one of the, I think it was, I'm assuming it was one of the dads and he was in, it looked like a basketball gym and he was just Oh yeah, screaming. just screaming at the yeah, kids. Yeah, just screaming. And I, you know, I grew up with a lot of that stuff. Well, and that's. And stuff and it's not, it's not beneficial to a, to a, well, a kid. When, and then you can't get mad at your kids when they become drug addicts and alcoholics when exactly. you treat them like that. Exactly. You know, when you expect your kids to perform for you, they're going to end up screwed up, yep. you know, down the line somewhere. So anyway, um, same thing sort of happened with Peter Berg. I was making trophy kids. We were finishing it. And he was like, man, I don't know what's wrong, but you're so talented and you're just wasting your life. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't he, believe he just said that to me. He said it to me he, on the phone, you know, and he knew. He knew. And then I went, and then like, then I went into my attic space, my head, not my attic, like not, not the, in my house, but like my yeah. attic space in my head. I'm like, screw Peter Berg. He doesn't know what he's oh, talking about. Yeah. I've seen him drunk on TMZ. Wow. I've seen this. I've seen that. I start looking up all, yeah. wait a second. He doesn't have a drinking problem. He was just, this is like a one-off for him. Yeah. This is every day for me. Yeah. And that's when I understood it. Wow. When I was like, here I am. Like, I kind of understood it while I was trying to find a fault in someone else. Totally. I'm like, well, who's he? Who's he to tell me? Yeah. Oh, he's successful. That's who he is to tell me. 
and he doesn't do this every day. Yeah. I get it, you know, and he's, yeah, he understands. I want to say too, you have five years. You just had five years, so congrats on that. Oh, by thank the way, you, man. man. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome, bro. And uh, congrats on your six years. Yeah, coming up, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be six. You know, this year, as long as I, I'm sober today, man. It's the one old thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's a weird thing because like the one thing is like any anybody that has more time than me, you're like, well, shit, I can't can't get <laughs> I can't get more time than him unless. He falls off, Lessons. so I don't really want to get more time in, but I'm always jealous yeah. of it. Yeah, like, we're I, close, though. We're I close, always, man. I always look up to it. Put it that yeah. way. I'll say, it, I'll say it in that way. Like, Thanks, man. I, I don't want to get more time than him, but yeah, I want to. You know, I, I like. You know, I, I said I, I forgot how many days, how many years sober I was this year, and to me, um, I think that's the last stage of grieving because when my brother passed away, uh, it was in 2009, 2000, yeah, 2009. And this year in March, or this year in, um, not in March, in December, um, when it was like 10 years after he died, yeah. it was like exactly 10 years. It was 2000, it was the end of 2008. So it was 2008. It was the end of 2018, December 14th. Wow. And when it got to be December 14th, I woke up that day and usually like that day every year from the day it happened was some big social media post. Some oh. big, I love my brother so much, a bunch of pictures, a yeah. video. I woke up that day and went 90% through the day. It was like six o'clock at night. Oh my God, today's the day Mad Dog died. Oh, wow. Why did I not remember? Huh. Like, oh, it's 10 years. Maybe that's, that's a, how that's, long, that's maybe that's big. how long it takes. You know, I was saying, like, mm. maybe it takes you 10 years to do what you want. My dad told me that when I was young. It'll take you 10 years to get to your goal. Yeah. Maybe it takes you ten years to get over something. Maybe it, maybe after wow. ten years of sobriety, like I won't have any of these issues that I have now still lingering. Because it's it's like, and that's why I talk about these diets so much. If you diet yourself off of shit, you will not be an addict. Hmm. So you have to like starve yourself of some things to be better in others. Yeah, that's good. That's good, that makes bro. sense. I mean, yeah. I think that's a good place for us to like I, I end too. it on because yeah. I feel like that's where we're. That's what we need to do. We need to like just stop doing so much bad shit every day, <laughs> yeah, and just kind of like slow it down. And even if it's like improving one thing a day or yeah. taking one thing away a day, and I, I'm not all about like stripping things down to nothing. I eat red meat every day every meal yeah. i eat burgers i eat steaks i eat good food it's awesome i throw some avocados in there which aren't carnivore but i'll throw some avocados in there i'll throw you know uh I, i'll do a little bit of cheese here and there i i you know i i have enough i gotta do cheese man i love cheese yeah i have enough variety there, look you could go through and do a carnivore diet with no cheese and be miserable yeah but the, the goal isn't to be miserable the goal is to be as happy as possible sure while getting in shape yeah and the only way to really do that is to do it to do something like I'm doing to do something where where it's nutrient dense and calorie dense and you're yeah. not hungry because yeah. you can't be hungry else you're gonna you're gonna fail. Well, that's when you eat the at least for me that's when I eat the crap. As soon as I start getting hungry, I don't have something some solid protein or something. I'll go to the to junk food stuff. And yeah. it's, it's gotten a lot better. I mean, even in just these it, last it's so two months, it's, but it's so hard. easy to like eat meat all day and then you go like you're at it's at night and you're at your house. You're like, I'm not cooking a steak right now. Yeah. There's no way. And it's so easy to eat something junky and go to yeah. bed and be satisfied with it. But then like you wake up feeling like mad at yourself. Yeah. So um, 
what I did is I went out and bought an air fryer and that changed my life. Air fryer cooks a steak in like 10 minutes and cooks it perfect. Really? Boom. Done. Yeah. Go, go get your, you want to get rid of that dad bod, get yourself an air fryer. All right. And and I I would say even for you, the intermittent fasting and adding some red meat in and some eggs in will pull other stuff out of your diet. If you had four eggs a day and four, four to six ounces of red meat a day, it's going to push so many. And you can have that like for breakfast, you can have it separately. But if you had it like say for breakfast, you wouldn't be hungry for so long. It would push so many other things out of your diet. Can you do bacon and eggs? Or is bacon yeah, kind of totally I've, I've been doing bacon and eggs and bacon's morning, totally fine. And shape. you know, it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of myths out there with a lot of this stuff. Like you'll hear about bacon and yeah. people say you gotta get the uncured bacon. Like everybody wants you to pay nine bucks for everything. Dude, I know and, it's so expensive. Man. And I don't feel that way. Like I know you have a family and stuff, and it's hard when you have a family, but like Look, Costco is one of the best quality controlled places in the world, in my yeah. opinion. Their meat is the best, like all this stuff. So get it from Costco. Who cares if it has, yeah. it, when it says it has nitrates in it and nitrites, all that is is like celery powder for the most part. And it's like people are like, oh, it's got all these preservatives and all these things. It's like, eh, I mean, it's got a little yeah. bit. But that's, that's where we get all the meat. We get a big thing of uh, sirloin I'll use and then we'll freeze some of it. Um, and my wife will, you know, cut it up into smaller pieces, get some chicken. <laughs> It's, I think that's important to stop sweating the minor details yeah. and, and sweat the yeah. big things. Yeah. Like sweat the big, like, yeah, I did eat, you know, I did eat a little bit off the plan or I did have this, like I had a scoop of peanut butter and my, my daughter had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I had the peanut butter in my hand. I took a scoop and I ate it. Yeah. Who cares? Big deal. Go start over. And I, that's the way I look at it too with, uh, with diet and maybe that's the way Maybe that's the key to like making people look at it the right way is like, maybe we need to treat it like sobriety. Like maybe it needs to be more serious because it really is our life and death. Yeah. The only problem is it happens on a scale, like a slow motion. It's like a slow motion car crash. You know, like, well, you know, and I, and I look, I look around and, um, and myself included, and I'm, I'm working on it right now, but just there's so many unhealthy people around when you just go out anywhere, you know what yeah. I mean? Just in our culture and our I think, society. Um, and it's just, I'm appalled at what we do to children. Mm-hmm. I'm appalled by it. I'm, I'm mad. I'm angry that they allow, like we know for a fact what certain things do to kids, especially like grains and cereals and stuff. Yeah. And that's all we feed them. Yeah. Feed them grains and cereals. They, they cause intestinal intestinal permeability. They poke holes in your intestines. And so people are like, well, why are carbs so bad? They're not, like carbs aren't making you fat. Calories are making you fat. Yeah. But carbs are poking holes in your intestines and meat isn't. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that's that's the difference. Well, we always heard meat was so bad for so long. Like yeah. you said, arteries, like high cholesterol. I heard that for a long time. And then when I first, then I heard about the carnivore diet, I went, what the hell is this? I thought... It's one of those things earlier. I, I heard this was so bad for all these years. Now it's, it's not bad. You know, it's, I it's could confusing. die tomorrow, but I feel so great today that it would be, yeah. it'd be worth the way I've been living for the past two years. Yeah. And also, um, I don't think if I died tomorrow, it'd be from what I ate. It would be from something that already <laughs> happened a long time ago. It'd be because yeah. I used drugs for a long time. Yeah. And I was eating bad. It were, it would be like if it, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, so how can somebody say like, even even if I did die tomorrow, so how could somebody go? Oh yeah, it was because of the diet. It's like yeah. yeah, unless you really specifically know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah, almost impossible. And then somebody asked me the other day, "Hey, did you read about the forty nine year old firefighter that died on a carnivore diet?" <laughs> and I was like, "No," because I'm like, if I heard it, I wouldn't believe it anyway. Because yeah. like 
what did he die of? A heart attack? Smoking? Like what, he's a firefighter. What, what did he die yeah, of? What else came into what, the equation? Where's the story? Yeah, what's yeah. the story? What's the news? I know, this is so random right now, and we're going to wrap this thing up, but uh, one of my favorite movies- Let's is, wrap it up uh, random. Is Let's do it. I, I like it. One of my favorite movies, I, I've watched it hundreds of times. It doesn't come out until um, after Thanksgiving when we start decorating for Christmas, but Christmas vacation. I've seen it so many times. I can't believe you just said that. That's like our family movie. Is it? That's our family movie too. Yeah. We, we gather around. We just talked about it the other day. Like, Chevy Chase is one of the best. And I ne- I've watched it so many times, but it wasn't until I got a little bit more conscious of the the food that we're eating and the, the industry and stuff that I realized he was a food additive designer in the movie. Remember, he's oh, going to yeah. win the award for food additive designer of the year. And I thought that was so crazy. They yeah, they were he, promoting it back then. What did he design though? It was a food garnish for cereal or something that made the okay, it, that yeah. made the cereal not um, soggy or something in the milk. It's it was funny. fucking crazy. You ever seen the jerk with Steve Martin? Yeah, I, I've, um, I always compare my brother to the jerk because I say like I call him Meathead Millionaire. Yeah, but Mark is always like you know he was like he had learning uh, di- you know learning disabilities growing up and he was always trying you know trying in school real hard but like mm-hmm. he'd read backwards basically he mm-hmm. he messed things you know he messed things up and he uh, he'd always like you know he'd always feel bad about yeah. you know not uh, not being able to uh to uh, do whatever. Now I forgot what I was going to say. We were talking about Christmas vacation. A food additive food designer additive. making oh, the milk soggy. No, because he's like the jerk. Oh, yeah, so, the jerk. So I always say like, so my brother, so in the movie, the jerk, the guy invents this thing called the Optigrab, which is like helps you keep your glasses so they don't slide down your nose. Uh-huh. And like, that's what my brother invented. He invented the slingshot, which helps you bench press more weight without hurting your shoulders. Is that what that is? Yeah. What? I and, saw it. And so that's, that's like he made like this meathead thing that you would think like, well, who... Who would care that much about bench pressing more? Obviously, everybody. Yeah, because it's <laughs> a know? huge thing. Oh, yeah. And they got it into like CrossFit and people use it for push-ups and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Really? I'm going to have to check it yeah. out now. We'll, we'll, yeah. get you, we'll get you some gear. Oh, that'd be awesome, Yeah, bro. for sure. Cool, man. Well, where uh, where can folks find you at uh, if they want to reach out? Uh, the movies we already mentioned, Netflix, sure. um, uh, Amazon, Amazon. Yeah, all the, I'll put all, the links all in here, too. Yeah, all the films are available out there on all the major streaming platforms. You can just type in Chris Bell. Uh, if you go on Facebook, I think I'm just under Chris Bell. If you go on uh, Instagram or Twitter, I'm under Big Strong Fast. I post the most on Instagram. Seems to be like where That's everybody's where kind of at now. And um, yeah. the other stuff I don't bother with with all that much. And if you really want to get a question answered, I would I always suggest to people to leave comments in my posts because uh, what happens is if you send DMs, they really get lost in Instagram and they don't. Instagram doesn't have a good way of tracking it, yeah. especially if you get like 50 to 100 of them a day yeah. or more, you know, like sometimes they just go crazy. So I think that if people leave them in the comments, what I like to do is I like to help everybody in my community. Sure. So if you say, hey, Chris, what's the best thing for, you know, stubborn, uh, loose skin or whatever, right? And like, I have an answer for you. I want to give that answer to everybody, not to just you. I think it's selfish when people send you DMs about things that aren't personal. Yeah, then it's on the whole thread for everyone. It's not personal, just put it on a thread. Yeah, or like I have a product out. You know, we have have a product, uh, MindBullet, and that's another thing people can look at. MindBullet.com if they are interested in Kratom. If you go to MindBullet.com backslash Chris Bell, they would save 20% every time they ordered it. And that's a Kratom product. And like I said, I don't push this. I don't push Kratom on anyone. I think it's a personal uh, decision. I just think it's a great tool. And I always say that like it's, uh, 
it should be used as a tool. It, sure. It's, it's, there are certain people like myself, like I pretty much take it every day, but I also try to take breaks from it. So I'm not so caught up in it. And, um, I don't think that most people would need it every day. I think most people yeah. would need it like when they do some serious work or some serious workouts. Yeah. Cause you have a purpose for taking it. It's for pain, obviously. Yeah. I, the, I other, mean, the other option is like, Hey, wake up and take, so it's funny it's ironic that you brought up dr drew and the carnivore diet because when i was telling him how much pain i was in he said well you you know you should they've done major studies that show if you take one advil with one tylenol i remember that. a couple times a day you, yeah. you know it, it'll help you out uh it helps more than than vicodin you know according to these pain studies i'm like really he's like oh yeah and, but i looked into it and but i didn't i looked into it but i didn't look at into any of the side effects and so when I got to that part about the side effects and how it ruins your libido, it ruins this, it ruins that, yeah. it ruins your uh, your gut microbiome, all these things, then it got to be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So then when, the issue. Yeah, when, it, when the switch to Kratom came along, it was like such a welcome thing. I'm like, yeah. thank God, I don't, I don't want to be on anything. Yeah, sure. You know? I don't want to be on anything. I, I don't want to be on anything that's not natural Yeah. Uh, because I feel like the things that are natural, they're just they're so much easier to get over and to fix problems with when you do have problems yeah. with them. You, you know, feel better too. I, I, I feel mean, better. I feel like, yeah. I think a lot of that's psychological too. Like it could be like, oh, it's all natural. You know, and like yeah. people people believe in that. But you know what, man, The I, I'll end with this because like a lot of people get, uh, they, they don't believe me when I say it, but they've done studies on the placebo effect, which is kind of funny because what do you use as a placebo in a study for that? But they've done studies on the placebo effect where the placebo effect works up to 16% with absolutely nothing. So if I give you like a sugar pill, you're going to perform 16% better than you did before, which is hard to quantify unless you have some specific thing, you yeah. know, but say, uh, I don't know, you ran it in... 12 seconds or you ran it in 11 seconds. Like that's a big difference That's in, huge. A, in a race. Or, I don't know. Whatever 16%, maybe it's even only like a partial second, but like it's enough for you to win the race or lose the race by. Yeah. And I, I think that's it. It's like, it's, you know, um, Oh, you get that extra that. Yeah. Just, yeah. I know. It's I know just what you're enough. trying to say. So, it's just some, so yeah. if you, if a placebo effect can work 16%, um, imagine what CBD is doing for people. Oh man. Yeah. And I think that that's the, I think that is the key to the multi-billion dollar CBD industry mm -hmm. is it doesn't work. It's not effective for pain. There's no studies that say it's effective for pain. There's no studies that say it's effective for anxiety. There's no studies that say it's effective for depression definitively. They're all kind of like, eh, loosey goosey, maybe, yeah. maybe not, you know, and, and, um, and CBD has built this huge industry around this plant. You know, yeah, or, and um, it might just all be false. I, I would not be surprised if in five years it comes out and it's like CBD's all bullshit. <laughs> really? I swear to God. And I, I don't mean to, I know there's probably a bunch of people listening to this that use it for pain and things like yeah, that. I, I, but I, I, I think, and I do think if, if it is working for people, continue to take it. I yeah. could be wrong too, but I have used CBD from five milligrams up to a thousand milligrams at a time. I've done a thousand milligrams. I did a thousand milligrams every day for a week and it, I felt no relief in pain. Really? I, was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't taking Kratom. I, oh, what's, I wonder if the, what the longevity is on how long you're supposed to take it before it becomes effective. That's the things that Cause I've heard up to like 30 days. And those are the things I, I don't know. Those you know? are the thing. And, and so just so you're aware, a thousand milligrams 
over the course, if I didn't have somebody give that to me, that bottle would have been like 500 bucks. Oh, I'm sure. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So I was, I was loading up on it because my friend makes this, uh, he has this brand Alpha Canna X and Alpha Canna X, like he makes it. And so I was like, okay, well, if yeah. you're going to give it to me, I'll try it. You know, I don't, I don't mind here's, trying Here's it. the one thing I do know because I've experienced with my wife about CBD and marijuana is that she, so both of our kids were C-sections. Right. So as soon as she had Lucy, um, not long after she start, she started getting migraines. Mm-hmm. She's had them for the last nine, nine years or well, eight years. Cause they've, they've kind of mellowed out in the last year, but they would always prescribe her Percocet. Right. So she would have to take Percocet and then she would feel like shit for a day or two or yeah. three. She'd get sick. A lot of the time she hated taking it, but she would literally wake up some nights and not even be able to like, she'd be throwing up all this stuff. She started um, smoking a little bit of the pen or doing CBD and they have, um, I, I, I can't say that they're a hundred percent gone, but when she starts to feel them coming on, if she does that, they go away. And yeah, it's maybe, maybe also it might, I might need to try different kinds of CBD. The ones I was taking were oral. They were, you know, they were, I've done uh, the drops. The, they were drops. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but like, and and it was all, I, I got all the test results. It's high quality stuff. It's all yeah. like legit. And I got it from, from several different companies that I, people I'm friends with that make it. Cause I ever, like after I made a leaf of faith, I must've had six CBD companies come to me, want me to make a movie about it. Oh, I'm sure. And I'll tell people just so everybody knows that I'm honest, I'm not up full of shit. I mean, I've had people offer me hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a movie about CBD yeah. and I've turned them all down Yeah, because there is no, there is no amount of money that's going to make me make a movie about something that I don't believe in. That, and that goes back to um, the agenda thing, right? Even right now with agendas, like I, yeah. you know, we're making a movie about nutrition and I don't know what the answers are yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not willing to execute yet until I'm ready. I love that. I'm just telling yep. people like, people are like, when's the movie coming out? I'm like, dude, I didn't even start editing yet. Cause I'm not ready. <laughs> but when I'm ready, I'm going to blast you with it. How, what's your editing process? Oh God. So I hate editing, man. man. <laughs> Here we go. We need to do another podcast. Yeah, man. we We're will. We'll get yeah. into this on the next one. But yeah. like, yeah, I'll just really quick. My editing process is like, go out and shoot a bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah. And like, if you're smart, I think the way to start a movie is like, go out and shoot as much stuff as you can for free. Like, say you want to do something on sobriety. Yeah. Go out and you shoot a bunch of interviews like this and, but just shoot like five of them for no money. Get a friend to help you set up the camera yourself. Do whatever yeah. you got to do. Yeah. Start figuring it out a little bit first and then maybe play around with that footage. And like, that's the kind of stuff I like to do is like, start seeing if you got something there. Yeah. And then start, once you get a couple good interviews, start, then you can start bringing in a team. I see. I think doing things prematurely. Uh, I need this and I need that before I can get started are non-starters. They make totally. people not start. I love that. And so I think that like whatever I would, my advice to be to get into editing or documentaries or telling stories or whatever you want to do, whether it's Instagram, social media, however you want to influence. I'll say to this to every single one of your listeners. First of all, congratulations to all of you because you're listening to this for a reason hmm. and you're here for a reason yeah. and you have a purpose and your purpose is to help other people. And if you wake up every day and you plant your feet on the ground and you stick your chest up and you're proud of what you've done and what you've accomplished, you will go out in the world and you will tell people what you have done with your own life. And by doing that, it'll help them pull themselves out of that hole. And you will not believe if you've never done it before, you will not believe the feeling it gives you. You get the emails every day. You have a podcast. You must get them every day. Every day, bro. And um, 
it's it's awesome. insane. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's a blessing, and it's also difficult. You know, I'm dealing with a guy right now that weighed 735 pounds when he started the carnivore diet. He's down to like 500 something now. Damn. So, That's, but he's not even close to where he needs to be. Even after that much, but he's still, he's working though. But how awesome is that to be helping Amazing, the guy? bro. How yeah. awesome is it to get the text messages from the guy every day saying like, you have no idea what this is doing for me. Yep. And like, I don't even really care what it's doing for him because I care that, I, I care that I'm able to, I don't care what it's specifically doing for him. I do care what it's doing for him. I care more about the fact that I can tell somebody something in a couple sentences mm. and completely change your life. Yeah. That's important. And that's powerful. It's like when you can define your message down to like meat and water, how do I get in shape? <laughs> Red meat and water. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Out of here. My, Mark calls it the elevator pitch. And it could be the same thing with sobriety. How do yeah. I get sober? Go to AA. See you later. Yep. How do I get clean? You know, it's like find somebody who's done it. Don't eat cherry pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right on, on man. That yeah, that's good stuff, man. Chris Bell, thank you, man. Check out the films. Uh, check out uh, Chris's podcast too, Better, Stronger, Faster, a performance enhancing podcast. One of my favorite ones. Lots of good stuff on there. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Chris Bell. Uh, be sure to check all his work out. And uh, man, if you need anything, if there's anything I can help with, whether it's finding a meeting for you, getting connected in our Sober Guy men's crew, if you're interested in uh, any of our courses, you can find all those resources. You can contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Shout out to Humans Music. Thanks for the intro and the outro. Love, love those guys. Hope you guys have a phenomenal, amazing, awesome rest of the day or night, wherever you're at. Share the podcast with a friend. Don't forget to connect us on Instagram at That Sober Guy Podcast. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean. Ooh.